What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. Jake, how you doing, man? Welcome. Thank you for making the drive all the way down here. You live in Rockland, right? I do. Right on, man. I appreciate you making the drive. It's a long drive on a Sunday afternoon, especially with all the mountain traffic, snowboarders, skiers, everybody coming back over the mountain. It's kind of been a whirlwind year for you. You're building your own business. You got the family going on. And on top of that, you almost got eaten by a mountain lion while you were hunting where you're normally hunting at. And that's kind of crazy don't hear a lot about it in California and if it does happen it's no one really ever talks about it right and mountain lions in my opinion are kind of a problem since we put the necks on them in 1990 and uh, I kind of wanted to get you down here talk about your story what happened you know and and maybe shed some light on actual in the field experience because you went through the whole process man you right you you had the mountain lion interacting with you on the mountain, right? You took the mountain lion's life. You called fish and wildlife. Everything was, you know, on the up and up, and there was no problems with it or anything like that. Um, your interaction with DFW was fairly positive, you know, so... Absolutely. Yeah, man, so it's all that kind of stuff I feel like is important, you know, and... and uh, what I can appreciate about the situation for you is that in dealing with that and having a positive experience with DFW, talking about that is important because there's some people have good experiences, some people have bad experiences, you know, and I feel like it's all in the matter of how we as hunters approach the situation with California Fish and Wildlife. I 100% agree. You know, and, and 100%. And I know that like sometimes they can they'll come up and it's instant uh, contact and and not want to dive into like accusation or anything like that, but it's always uncomfortable, right? Right, and I feel like that can always be alleviated. So hopefully we'll dive into that. We'll dive into your hunting season. Not only that, but you're a fisherman. You're fairly prolific at catching fish. You know, it's like I think the first time we had a phone conversation. You were out fishing. Yeah, I was right. out steelhead fishing. Yeah. Giving it a shot, didn't have any luck that day, but... Right. Doesn't mean I don't love doing it. Right. So, I'm I'm pretty excited. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anytime I get to talk hunting, right. I'm all for it. Right. So, without further ado, what's up everybody? Welcome to the Legion OST DIY Outdoors Podcast. Today, I'm sitting here with Jake Leonard. 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 Okay, Jake Leonard, and uh, you kind of heard a little intro of, of what we're going to be discussing today, along with a little bit about yourself. We're coming live to you today from West Coast Archery in Petaluma, California. It is the pro shop that Anthony and I both use for all of our archery needs. Um, and uh, yeah, so let's dive into it. Jake, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Name's Jake Leonard. Um, been hunting in California since big game hunting anyhow since i was 12 years old and grew up in the woods essentially uh-huh. <laughs> i was shooting a bow since i was five years old and 
What town did you grow up in? In Alberta. Okay. Alberta, California. So a lot of people don't know where that is, but it's... I don't know where that is. Just on the outskirts of Sacramento. Okay. So is that so be, east of Sac? Um, I mean, so if you're going up where the old Arco Arena was, yeah, just outside of there, you go up 99 and bang right off 99 onto Alberta. And nice. It's a tiny, tiny little city right there and <laughs> very proud of it. Yeah. So... So what's that, like D3 or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. D3 and D4 are a little bit further up, so. Yeah. Cool. So that's where you grew up. You grew up in the outdoors. So growing up there, did you just, you're just kind of always like a backwoods kid? Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny because, I mean, you would think right right out there, there's not much property, but we grew up on an acre. And I mean, my, my pops, he raised everything from chickens to uh, pigs he had a couple rams he had emus and rias and oh wow we'd have kids all all across all neighborhoods local petting zoo yeah that's so awesome i mean and and sometimes (laughs) when those big birds would get going it would sound like a a lion roaring really oh man they're intense i was terrified to go back there as a kid i mean they'd go out and try to kick you and oh no oh yeah it was all good fun though so, how did your dad introduce you to hunting you said you started around 12 yeah he did i mean we were we were hunting fishing fools all yeah. growing up. Yeah. And when I say hunting fishing fools, that's not not to say it lightly. I mean, yeah. we were out there all the time. I remember I tell people all the time now is we never went to Disneyland. Yeah. We we never went on vacations like that. We'd go hunting for three or four days. Yeah. We'd go fishing and yeah. You know Camping. that's that's what we did. Yeah. And I loved it. I can relate to that, man. I can totally relate to that. For me, growing up. Our, our family vacations, it was either we'd be in Mendocino for a week, abalone diving, rock fishing, you know oh, what I mean? Like living in tents, you know, we'd go rent wetsuits, all the kids would rent wetsuits and we'd go tromp up and down the creeks and, you know, fish oh, yeah. for whatever fish were in the creeks. And then uh, all the adults would go diving and, you know, spear fishing, rock fishing, the whole deal. And then uh, if we weren't up there, we'd go up into the Sierras and go camp out. You know, we'd find a lake or a camping site, something like that, and go stay up there for a week, two weeks. And it's funny because, you know, the way you prefaced it, and and I was dating a gal for a little bit, and I told her, I was like, hey, you know, we've gone on a couple family vacations with your family, and and they were Hawaii or, you know, pretty pretty lavish stuff. And I was like, we're gonna go with my, we're gonna go with my family. And, and she looks at me and she's like, I don't think my work would consider that a vacation. I don't know if they'd give me time off for that. And it like crushed me, dude, because right? like, you're telling me every family vacation I've ever gone on my entire life is, is a like, is a lie. Like, is a lie. That doesn't count as vacation. Like you're crazy. Not only is it a vacation, but it's a it's therapy in a way. Right. You know, if, if I don't have that in my All life. Day. I'm not a happy man, I yeah. can tell you that. Dude, if I don't... So, and I always talk about it. I mean, I didn't grow up in a religious household or anything right. like that. There was no, like... When you go to church on Sunday... My dad grew up in a Catholic family. and went yeah. to church and Catholic schools his whole life and all that. And uh, we would uh, consider, like... Or I consider, and still to this day, and I'll tell people, like... The, the euphoria that I get out of going into the wilderness for a weekend, whether it be by myself or with a group of friends or with my family, the euphoria that I get from being in the wilderness is the identical euphoria that I, 
you know, a religious guy gets going to church every Sunday. Right. You know what I mean? And that's right. my spiritual connection. That is my existence. Part of your routine. For sure. I mean, for me, for me, that's that's everything. And it's definitely not the norm nowadays. At all. So when you tell people about it, they kind of take them back and go, oh, really? You yeah. were doing all that stuff as yeah. a kid? And I mean, I'm just, I'm looking forward to raising my daughter that way too. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be fun. Totally. So. Totally. But you know, and it's funny too, it's like, you talk to people today and everybody's all about a trail hike. Right. Right. And I'm, I'm imagining where you grew up and the amount of time you spent. Uh, let's call it 90% of that's like bushwhacking. There's no right. trail. It's just like, there's a hill. Let's get on top of oh, that yeah. and see what we can find. Yeah. And oh, it's yeah. such a different mentality. And it, it, it's funny too, because I've, I mean, throughout my life, people, Hey, you want to go, go camping this weekend or you want to go for a hike? And can I bring my bow? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not hiking in the woods just to hike in the woods unless yeah. I'm bringing my binos and yeah. turning it into a scouting trip or, or something. And mm-hmm. a lot of my friends, you know, just never understood that. And it's funny now that, you know, I've gotten older and, yeah. you know, the the more meat I share with them, the more they're interested in that. And How funny is that? It's, huh? it's, they'll be like, this dude, is good. dude, I take them hunting one time. Like, I get it. Yeah. I get now why you, you'd why rather you have a bow in your hands. I right. Mean, it, you're reading the land. It's a completely different experience. Yeah. So. And another, I'm just going to keep saying, I mean, what you were just saying, it's like, <clears throat> you go out there and you're like, well, where's my binos? Where's right. my stuff? I was talking to my buddy on Friday, my buddy Todd, and we were bullshitting back and forth. And he's talking about this trip that he went on to, to Mount Whitney. And it was so perplexing to him because like he wasn't hunting. Right. And he, he was like, I'm hiking without a purpose. I don't. Absolutely. Where's the connection here? Might as well go run on a treadmill in yeah. my mind, which is, hey, that's tough for me to do. I'd, right. I'd rather go out, if I am going to do that, go out on a trail run or something. Oh, for I'd, sure. Through a hunting spot or whatever it may be. I just, yeah. I to me, that doesn't register, but I I just, <laughs> I love being in the woods, man. Right. Seriously. Well, another thing, too, is, and I'm sure a lot of other Californians can resonate with this, is Growing up in California, not everybody hunts, not everybody right. fishes, not everybody has an outdoors family. You know what I mean? A lot of people, like I said, they're they're very like if they're gonna go outdoors, they can't go off the trail because right. they might be eaten by a lion. Right. You know, and like coincidentally enough, you were off the trail this year, and absolutely there was a lion. But if, if, I mean, if you would have asked me if that was possible a year ago. I mean, I, I, before this year, I'd never seen a mountain lion in the woods in my life. Yeah. Never seen one in the see zoo anything. it's too late, right? right? And, yeah. And, you know, it's just, it was something that I didn't think was possible, but yeah. it was very real. Yeah. So For sure. So, you grew up hunting. You grew up in California. Uh, what, how, here's a question, and it's not even on our outline. How old were you when you took your first animal in California? So, that, that's a... That's a funny question, considering how often I was in the woods and how often I was hunting. Yeah. I mean, literally hunting weekend upon weekend upon weekend from 12 on yeah. for big game. And the first big game animal I ever took, I was 21 years old. That's so awesome. It was black Nine bear. Nine years. I mean, it was a long time. Yeah. So both my parents are from New York. Uh-huh. And my pops, he was used to hunting whitetail. Tree stand hunting. Yeah. Upstate. So he's, he's used to, you know, finding a spot and yeah. kind of staying put and... <laughs> Anybody who hunts California knows that's just you not the way to the do western it. Western area like that, right? Yeah. So I mean, we we weren't seeing many game animals growing up, mm-hmm. but 
I couldn't get enough of it. It was just the yeah. whole process. And I mean, without ever taking a game animal, I was in love with this, with the sport. And yeah, you know, it's when, when I did take it, take that bear, I was on cloud nine. Yeah. I mean, for, was it a big bear? For, oh, it was massive bear. That, really? that thing would have went Pope and Young, Boone and Crockett, whatever. Back then it wasn't yeah. ever paid attention to. Yeah. Much. It was, and I, I mean, I never put in for any of that stuff, but yeah. it was, Roughly a 550-pound black Holy bear. Holy shit. And uh, we actually won that hunt. It was a guided hunt. Uh-huh. Won that hunt out of an archery tournament. Really? And Because we, we shot archery all growing up. And, I mean, yeah. for us back then, it was I, – I could show you at my house all the yeah. blue ribbon first place. There was never a time we didn't take first place. So either. it was like professional competition archery. Well, I don't want to go professional. Yeah, I wouldn't like say professional. Locally professional. Right. I yeah. mean, so we were – I mean, I remember the last tournament. The last <laughs> tournament I ever shot, I, th- I had to be maybe 16 years old. Yeah. And I was supposed to be shooting, you know, the, the youth mark yardage, and I ended up shooting an adult, and I think I beat everybody in the group. No I way. Was, I was been a very good archery shot for yeah for a long time. I just I grew up doing it. It's like second nature. Just, you go know, talk to somebody who's golfed since they were a kid. Yeah. It's just, so that bear, did you take with a bow? Or was oh, yeah. It? Oh, really? I took that with a bow. So you took your first animal and it wasn't even a deer it was a predator it was a bear right right and you and it was a 550 pound bear right that's massive yeah. how close did you get to it <laughs> there's another good part of the story uh-huh. so the first first shot that thing was running out of a tree because we were chasing this thing yeah in the turn of the alps yeah. running out of a tree it was roughly 25 yards away and i hit it on the move and i i took out one lung mm-hmm. and that thing went flying out of there yeah and the guide was we got to get back on it we got to get back on it and we chased that thing maybe 150 yards and i'm full sprint after this thing yeah and it trees up again no one went right behind it and it's maybe 30 yards up in the tree and it's kind of standing over me with i mean both of its front paws just perfect shot opportunity to the heart yeah from right below it i pull back and i let the arrow fly and it just sinks into the heart I'll never forget it. That that bear kind of made a cough, like whoo, and I, it was like I was showering in blood. I mean, really? I was covered in blood, head to toe from that. It was just dripping on me. Yeah. And I mean, I thought it was gonna fall out of the tree. It was perfect, perfect shot. Yeah. And the guy tells me, "Back up, man. That thing's going downhill. Just get on this side of the tree. Back up." Yeah. And sure enough, that thing comes out that tree. Oh shit. Doesn't go downhill. Turns right towards me. Four yards away, third shot, I put it right in its spine, drop him. Oh, my God. Right right then and there. I mean, he just drops. At four feet. So, you, so did you, did I misunderstand, or you said you, the, your first shot, you hit it while it was on the move, or you mm-hmm. hit it? Running out of that tree. Yeah. So, it, it was on the move. Um, so, it okay, wasn't okay. a still shot. You shot the bear moving. Right. Lethal shot, too. Lethal shot. You hit it again. Yeah. Right? Through the heart. Right. And then it fell out of the tree, charged you, yeah. And you hit another moving shot in the spine, which dropped it. Which dropped it right oh then and there, dude. And it was so you were a good archer to say the yeah. least. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> granted, I don't want to take that much credit for it because I mean, when you get in a situation like that, it's all instinct. Yeah. I mean, you go back to just like anything else in life. You go yeah. back to your training. Four yards. Holy is, shit. Is dude. I mean, I've I've taken shots. I mean thousands and thousands of shots prior to those yeah and i'll never forget it uh the guide was a vietnam vet uh-huh and my pops was he 
he wasn't keeping up with us when we were going after that and he was maybe 200 yards away when he saw that bear come out of the tree and walks up after this i mean he saw that all unfold walks up to us and our guide turns to him and he says sir your son has ice in his veins no way. Like, bullshit man <laughs> you can't give me that credit that was all reaction right there I yeah just, and i never believed it practice, and then uh, practice 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 and then yeah i mean if you if you ask me now though especially after that mountain lion situation i'm there might be a little bit of truth to that but yeah. you know that that was definitely my first intense experience in the woods and one thing that stands out to me about about that particular story is just when you have an animal that big in front of you that close mm-hmm. and you hear it take its last breath right in front of you yeah that's an intense feeling man. yeah man. it's that could have ended a whole lot differently yeah and For i got everybody. i got lucky yeah i mean very lucky were you guys running hounds or yeah they, he, was, okay. he was running hounds because yeah. that was back when hounds were still legal right. and we were hitting the quotas every year right yeah exactly and that comes to a gripe that i've been saying a lot recently in almost all of our podcasts about what's happening with this deficit of bears right you know that we're we're not achieving our goal and I, I don't know if the biologists have done a recount or a recount for what we need to be issuing for tags. Right. But what's the bear population is like flourishing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's funny because before they, they outlawed hounds, I mean, you'd, you'd be in the woods. And I mean, in my experience, anyhow, I'd, I'd be in the back country. It was rare if I saw a bear. Yeah. And then I would say on that second year after they outlawed the hounds. I mean, I was seeing bears every hunt. Yeah. Every single hunt. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, the population's blown up since then. And I'm sure their fear of humans is blown up as well. Yeah. And you're hearing about them. And, you know, in towns, you go up to Lake Tahoe area. And oh, yeah. everybody's talking about bears during their tra- Absolutely. Dude, I went to my, my, part, my business partner, to Anthony. I went to his wedding down in... Uh, Mammoth Lake. Yeah. A bear broke into my truck and stole a bag of popcorn out of it. That's crazy. Yeah. For a bag of popcorn. For a bag right? of popcorn. Nothing else. Dude. Yeah. At first, my buddy Kenny woke me up and he's like, dude, someone broke into your truck last night. And I was like, what? Instantly out of bed, ran out the door. You know, I'm in my chonies and I'm right. like, what's going on? And I'm looking and like, here's a gear bag with, you know, $1,500 worth of gear. There's right. my spotter. There's a $2,000 camera. There's all my lenses. You know, and there's all the stuff. I'm like, oh, nobody yeah. stole shit. And then yeah. I look, and the bag of popcorn's gone. I'm like, it was a bear. <laughs> Torn up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm lucky it didn't rip apart the inside of my truck, though. Oh, yeah. That would have been terrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, or get, or get stuck in there. I've seen videos of that, too. Yeah. Um, it's funny. We had a growing up pig hunting. Um, it used to be on Wilderness Unlimited property. It was called mm-hmm. Palm Ranch. Mm-hmm. And one time, we so we were heading out. Where's that the, ranch? That's a... Uh, kind of towards king city a little bit okay and we were out doing the evening hunt i didn't see any pigs that day i don't believe yeah we come back to camp and all of our sodas are just munched on yeah they literally bit a hole into every soda can and sucked out the juice and and drank all the sodas (laughs) i mean that was a group of pigs yeah right in camp so i always thought that was a funny story that's crazy i know a lot of people that have a lot of good experiences hunting wilderness unlimited properties. Oh, yeah. A lot of buddies are like, you need to get on their thing. And I'm like, ah, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I just love the Sierras too much. Right. You know? I yeah. Just... Well, for me, I, I mean, my primary use for 
W has been pig hunting property. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't have any access to any private land. So, yeah. you know, Lake Sonoma for me. And um, there's a couple spots along um, up in Northern California that I like to hunt. But Have you had any success at Lake Sonoma? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I've put down I've, some pigs out there. Yeah, I've taken some pigs out there. And yeah. I actually hit the... The biggest pig of my life out there. I mean, that how thing, big was it? He had to be at least three hundred fifty pounds. I mean, cut he was, him up and pack him out. He's never recovered it. <laughs> no it's, way. I mean, and th- this is a good story too. I mean, yeah. you can get me talk about hunting. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> hey, dude, Lake right? Sonoma. That's in our backyard. You know? Absolutely. Everybody loves Lake Sonoma. And I, I love hunting it. And I, I know a lot of guys hunt it, and you know, there's, there's a lot of people who go out there and, and put some miles on their boots, but you definitely have to to learn the area where you're hunting and yeah. it's not going to take well, a weekend to figure it. it out. I mean, that took years. Well, and, I, and I'll cut you off right there. One of my buddies, Charles, he always talks about quote unquote, the language of the hunt. Right. And it's the amount of time we spend in the field, whether it be scouting, right. actually hunting, understanding terrain, topography, right. you know, trails, used trails, not used trails. When does the trail go cold? Absolutely. You know, the movement of the animals, night, day, the language of the hunt right you know and that's what you're talking about absolutely i mean and then a lot of times too when you're when you're reading sign a lot of people will walk through an area and be like oh man look at all this fresh pig sign hate to tell you but that's you know two three weeks old yeah they they could be in a different country at this point so something too there is like you know if i go through a spot when i'm pig hunting i flip over what they've been rooting through right. to look at how how fresh the grass is. Absolutely. Right? And that's one of my biggest tells for myself is how green is this grass? Is it dead grass? Is right. it not dead grass? What am I actually looking here? And sometimes you can still smell it in the dirt. Absolutely. You know, the pig and, and all that kind of stuff. Or you look for scat. Is there any new scat? shoots coming yeah. through there? You know, it's yeah. there's a ton of different... Anything growing up on the underside? Absolutely. Because if it's growing up on the underside, I it's hate old. to tell you that. I mean, that's... Right, you're looking at a couple weeks there. Absolutely, yeah. especially if there's fresh rain and you know making that all just grow through because yeah. I mean they'll turn it over and I mean it could look fresh, especially if it's been raining for you know a week or so. It'll yeah. look fresh for a week and a half, two weeks. Yeah, but it just that's something you don't gain unless you're out there frequently. Yeah, exactly. And and, and a lot of people, I, I think that's their mistake is you know they they go out there and they don't see something one week and they're done. Yeah, and it I it can get frustrating. Yeah, but for me that's part of the appeal. Right, and you know hunting hunting property that's heavily hunted for me that's just a bigger challenge. Yeah, I love to do it. Yeah, public land is absolutely one of the most difficult parts about public land. Right, you know absolutely. But I mean, so going back to that that pig. Yeah, I mean I spotted that <laughs> thing in. from oh, <laughs> all day long. Right, I mean I spotted that pig over a mile away. Yeah. And I had no idea anybody else was up on that, that ridge line I was hunting. And, you know, I I made up my mind. I watched them for probably half an hour before I decided what route I was going to take to get over there to that boar. Mm-hmm. And he was with two other pigs, two sows. And I, I make a beeline towards it because I knew I was going to lose daylight if I didn't make my move. For sure. And I'm bombing on these hills. And out there, it's it could get steeper than hell. Yeah. And I'm bombing out there, and it's no joke out there, man. I I get 50 yards from it. I know there's gonna be no shot opportunity, so I side hill, get in front of them again, and I ended up taking my my shot at 30 yards. It's a perfect shot. I mean, perfect, perfect shot. Mm-hmm. There's it couldn't have been any better. I was right through the heart, and 
I ended up going up there and checking and losing light and say, you know, I'm going to back out of here. I'm going to pick that big yeah. and just come back and look for it in the morning. Wasn't forecasted to rain. Rain. So I, I thought I was going to be good. Yeah. All night. No. Dumping. Just dumping rain. There goes every single piece of sign that was yeah. left by that pig. Everything. And it was... One part that was cool is the other guy who was up on the ridge line that I never saw. Mm-hmm. I ended up seeing him back in camp. And he said, man, I saw you spot those pigs. And watch the cute the hunt. Watch the whole... He said, if I would have had a cameraman, oh. you know, that thing would have a million views right now. Oh, it, my God. He was like, that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Yeah. He heard the pig squeal when I hit it. Yeah. He's like, man, I thought you, you were going to be out of here at 3, 4 a.m. packing that thing out. Yeah. And I said, I know better than that on a right. pig that big. You know, I was... Went back the next day, up and down that hill all day long. Nothing. Never found a drop of blood, nothing. Well, and so, it, you know, too, for us as hunters, like that, I feel like that's part of the process. It and is. Sometimes, you know, we don't go out there to, to shoot something and injure it and lose it, right. you know, but at the same time, man, whether it's rifle or it's archery, right. losing an animal is. It if, stings. If it hasn't happened yet, right. it's going to happen. Right. Especially, I mean, like you said, rifle or archery. But yeah. If you're bow hunting, it's going to happen sooner or later. It has to. And it'll make you feel st- sick to your stomach. Yeah. And just... Well, and, it, it, and it's so difficult because I'll talk to some people and they're like, I can't talk about losing an animal right. or wounding an animal. Like, I don't feel comfortable talking about that, you know. And multiple people, tons right. and tons of people don't want to talk about it. And it's like... That's part of the gig I agree. as a hunter, you I agree. know. But that also that that weathers us internally, that makes us want to take a better shot, take that extra second or two seconds, right? To you know have proper shot placement right. or whatever it is that we need to do to have the right follow through to ensure the death of that animal. Right. Absolutely. You know. And I mean, in that situation, I couldn't have put a better shot on it. You know, if, if the rain, if it hadn't rained, you'd have found a pig. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you, how do you? You don't control nature. None of us control right. nature, right? And so, <laughs> so in that situation, is as much I mean, as we wish we did, a hundred percent. I mean, it's, so you're you're sitting there in that scenario, and and it just eats you up that you know that animal's dead on that hillside somewhere, yeah. and you can't find it, and it's a very real possibility when you're in the woods that yeah. something like that happens. So to me, is talking about that may potentially help somebody who's in that you know situation yeah hey if if, granted it wasn't forecasted to rain but if it does rain maybe you need to go push and try to find that animal right right now what and that also brings into the whole line and you mentioned it a little bit earlier too is like that mental toughness that we have to have as a hunter to be able to get up the next day and get back out in the field right and keep going after our goal and keep going after you know the ultimate success of being in the field which is you know, killing and harvesting an animal right. and coming out with pack, heavy packs, you know, and, and it's so funny to me that people, some people that have no experience hunting think that we just go out there and there's an animal and kill it. It's not that easy. Couldn't be further from the truth. You know, and it's like, you you know, this year on public land, I, you know, well, let's call it, I spent a hundred days on public land scouting and hunting right. collectively. And I put down three bucks and a bull elk well okay that's that's, a good year that's a that's a great year but that's that's four days of the ultimate success of the hunt compared compared to the entire season absolutely of failure 
And then when you've been through it too, it's how many things have to go right to get to that one time. To, to get to that <laughs> success point. I mean, to actually harvest that animal. Yeah. And, I mean, it's countless hours. Oh, yeah. And countless frustrations. And you, you just have to have a short-term memory. Right. You well, really not do. only that, but, like, grow from the experience of right. the day prior. Always right? learning. Always, Always learning. you got to stay teachable. Right. Man. And you, you, you can go out to the same property, you know, ten different times. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you in the woods... No situation is ever going to unfold exactly how it did yeah. when it was successful. Yeah. You know, you, you can go out there and do that thing, exact same thing you just did, and it may never happen again. For sure. So, and that's the appeal to me. Right. You never know what you're going to get. Right. And not the worst as hunters. Like, we love that just mental destruction of ourselves. Like, right. depleting ourselves completely mentally and physically. Glutton for punishment. Our, dude, it's serious. Yeah. Dude. And it's like, it's so funny because it's just complete opposite of what so many... Not non-hunters, but yeah, I mean non-hunters and anti-hunters, right? Actually, think is happening. In Absolutely. Field. I mean, I, I can think of so many, so many people who, before they met me, they they never knew anybody who hunted. Yeah. And maybe didn't have a very good opinion of hunters, and and then you show up with a backstrap. Right. You show up with a backstrap, or you cook it up for them, and then yeah. they have questions, and they hear you talking passionate of passionately about, about it and conservation and wildlife right? management absolutely and then know? they realize how in tune yeah. to the outdoors you are how much you actually care about that animal yeah i mean you you're not out there just harvesting an animal yeah. there's so much more to it yeah so yeah absolutely so I, I think we kind of pegged what you're hunting with primarily which is a bow right so what broadheads do you use i use rage hypodermic plus p uh-huh and i've had a love-hate relationship with them to be honest with i you. can relate to that yeah. feeling exactly i i mean i i had a pig actually out at lake sonoma that i i shot 20 yard shot mm-hmm. i thought i smoked that pig <laughs> i mean it's, it's it gets dark i'm going out there with my headlamp and getting on the blood trail and yeah see a couple drops which didn't make sense to where where i saw that arrow yeah. hit what is going on here this is a big boar too yeah and search and search and it runs out i mean maybe 10 yards into it and i go back i start backtracking it just didn't make sense and i decide to try to find the arrow before going any further on that blood trail backtrack to the arrow and end up looking at the broadhead and it broke off at the base where it screws into the arrow oh no i had maybe an inch penetration oh wow. into that hog so i I mean, I may have hit the plate, yeah. and it just snapped. Yeah. And I've had that happen on deer, too. Um, it wasn't that specific broadhead. It was just the plain hypodermic mm-hmm. that I used to shoot. And um, I went away from that for, for a while and kind of made my way back to it just because the when you get a good shot, I mean, typically the blood trails from those hypodermic plus peas are yeah. unreal. Yeah. I mean, I, I love shooting them because they fly like a field point. And you don't have to fine tune right before the season starts. Right. That's my biggest difficulty. I used to shoot uh, thunderheads. Yeah. Right. Broadheads. Oh yeah. The, the three blade fixed blade. Yeah. And uh, I was shooting one twenty fives and having to fine tune it was always just, just the worst pain. for me, dude. Yeah. It's just the worst for me. You've got to switch up your whole setup sometimes yeah. to do that. And that takes time. And that's time when I could be in the field doing something else. Right. Which keeps me with mechanicals, right? For the most part, right? And you know, it's it's funny because a lot of people ask me now is, how come you don't shoot tournaments anymore? Mm-hmm. And 
that's my reason. Yeah. Is I don't want to completely change my bow setup. Yeah. Just to shoot a tournament when. Yeah. I know I'd rather be in the woods regardless. Yeah. Instead of shooting a tournament. You should come out to the broadhead shoot. We're doing Mace. What is it? Sixteenth, seventeenth, and eighteenth, or whatever that Friday. Yeah. Through. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's 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 a it's a reality broadhead shoot. It's right. not like a you know we're doing it like we're hunting, not. Right, like we're target shooting. Yeah, so you get to use, you get to use your whole hunting setup. Right, practical awesome. experience at that point. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. That's crazy, man. So, what kind of bow are you shooting? I'm shooting a Hoyt Carbon Defiant right now, mm-hmm. and I'm pulling 83 pounds on my draw shit. weight. I mean, I I did that for several reasons. I I had a a deer a couple of years ago, 70 yard shot, and uh-huh. I mean I. I'm hitting a, a paper bull at 100 yards consistently, yeah. Yeah. 10, 10 arrows. I mean, that's that's how I like to practice yeah. too. Is about 100 yards, and, yeah. and that puts me in a, a more comfortable spot. Right. You know, when I if I if I have the opportunity on a longer distance shot. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'll, a 70 yard shot for me is not a far shot. Yeah. I mean, well, and then you can also you know you have to judge the the scenario well the scenario what's right. the wind doing what's everything 100%. that's happening and all that 100%. and if the conditions are right and it's an ethical shot we can take it right right absolutely yeah and it you know i had this deer quartering away on me and and it was when i was shooting the uh, traditional hypodermics and it was on a, a bow that was pulling 70 pounds and i didn't get a complete pass through quartering away mm-hmm. and didn't end up recovering that deer. Oh wow! And that that just ate me up. And I said, you know what? It's for for what my body can pull, I want to pull. Yeah. And with push it to the limit. Right. Yeah. So w- with my new bow setup, I mean, I went and bought a new bow after that season. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm dialing this in heavy. Yeah. And 60 yards, I've blown through two pieces of plywood. Yeah. And it was nothing, with with that setup. So I mean, I've. <laughs> Everything since has been quarter inch throughs. or half inch, quarter inch, quarter inch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that was impressive to me. Yeah. I mean, granted, a good good shot placement is going to put it through, but there's right. very real that it's not always going to be a perfect shot. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the other thing too is like, even on a forty yard shot, you take that shot, and if that deer moves its front leg right. back. Right or or it takes a step forward on its on its right leg and you're shooting at the left side, right. and that shifts the entire shoulder blade and where everything's set up. Right, dude, that's your entire shot. Absolutely, you know, because like for me, I'll tuck it right back in that pocket. You know, I'm trying oh, to yeah. shoot an inch behind that shoulder blade, right. right? And if that deer shifts its position in the flight of an arrow on a forty yard shot, you know, like that's right. That changes everything. Right, a complete game changer. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why. I mean, you've got to take into consideration everything in that scenario. Yeah. You take the wind. You take, hey, has that deer been moving? Is it is it sitting there feeding? Is do you have the time to pull that trigger? Yeah. And you know, but that's bow hunting too. Right. It, it doesn't matter if it's twenty yards from you. Yeah. I mean, move slightly, and it yeah. completely changes where everything. you're aiming. Yeah. So, all you can do is try to, you know, stack the odds in your favor. Yeah. So. Switch gears a little bit. You also, you're a pretty prolific fisherman. Love fishing. Love fly fishing in particular. Right. Love so, it. So, you're fly fishing. I mean, what kind of flies are you running? Where you know, you're river fishing, steelhead. Yeah, do do a little bit of it all. Uh, I like to fish the Truckee River a lot. Uh huh. Like Truckee River's great. Oh, it's beautiful up there. Yeah. I mean, quick hour drive. I 
you know, live in Rockland now. So quick hour drive, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm in places that very few people get to ever experience, which yeah. is gorgeous out there. And yeah, to me, that's my therapy. Yeah, I mean, it's, so I'm I'm fortunate enough for what I do for a living. As long as I have cell phone reception, mm-hmm. I could be working doing anything. Yeah. So I throw in an earbud and fly fishing and take my calls when they come in and yeah. you know send a few emails and I'm good. Yeah. But like to like to go on the trucky, like to go on the American for shad and steelhead. Yeah. Um, been tying fly since I was twelve. So you tie your own flies? I do. Oh my god, that's yeah. so great. It's it's awesome. Man. I used to tie my flies when I was a kid. It's it's pretty cool. I yeah. I was actually out fishing the uh, Puta Puta Creek. Yeah. And I had a massive beard uh, uh-huh. a couple of years ago and i called it the pregnancy beard <laughs> i grew it out until we got pregnant yeah right. <laughs> and uh I pulled a couple hairs out of my beard and tied a fly with it uh-huh. oh man i went out there and caught a 22 inch trout off of that no that way. was cool yeah how crazy yeah. i remember my first fish i caught on my first fly i ever tied it was a largemouth bass and I would just be, I was beside myself. Oh, I bet. I was so excited. Dude. It's a cool feeling. Yeah, because it's like, man, I made this and it right. worked. Like, right. What in the hell? Yeah. Well, why did that thing eat this? Yeah. But, I mean, I, I learned to, uh, it's funny, another WU story is I learned to fly fish through Wilderness Unlimited after going to the Sportsman's Expos. Oh, really? Because one of those Sportsman's Expos are every year is my birthday's January 18th. Okay. So. Right there. Hey. My gift, I'm usually finding at the Sportsman's Expo as a kid growing up. Yeah. I remember telling my pops, because he'd never been fly fishing before. He said, oh, yeah. I would love to learn. And uh, we took a class with uh, Wilderness Unlimited at Bidwell, uh, their Bidwell Ranch. And everybody else was, I had a little pontoon inflatable, and my pops had a float tube, and everybody else was fishing from the banks. Mm-hmm. And I tied up a bunch of flies prior to going out there, and a little peacock nymph. And, man, we were hammering really nobody else caught a fish all really? weekend so if you're gonna fish a spot or do you dig through logs and try to figure out like what what insects are in the area are you doing anything um, for like that kind of research yeah or do you just go through until one's working and it, it, i mean it depends I mean, if, if there's a hatch going on and you see certain bugs flying yeah. you definitely throw a couple of those if you see some trout servicing yeah um that's definitely a factor yeah uh, but a lot of times it's more picking up a rock at the bottom and, you know, seeing what's moving around or yeah. doing your research on what the bug hatch typically is that time the of year. Season, yeah. You tie them up before you get out there and yeah. let them rip. Yeah. So. so switching back to hunting. So we've definitely covered you're an archer. Right. Right. And I didn't realize that you're as established of an archer as, as you are. I mean, all the way back in the day. Right. Right. So, I'm assuming you have to be using a pro shop. Oh, yeah. Right? Absolutely. As opposed to going to, like, a Dick's or a big, right. big store oh, or man. something like that. And that, that honestly, to, to anybody who's thinking about getting into archery, yeah. that can make all the difference in going the world. To, going to a going to a pro shop. pro shop. And, and you know, my guys over at uh, Wilderness Archery, I'd, yeah. I've known them since I was five years old. Yeah. I've been going to the same shop yeah. forever. But, well, um, and, and part of that too is like you establish a relationship and a rapport with right. the people inside the shop. Right. Yeah. And they, they know what type of hunting you're doing or if you're just going out to do, you know, target target practice or if you're just a target shooter, tournament shooter, whatever it may be. Yeah. And they'll get you dialed in. A lot yeah. of times you, you go to a Dick's or, you know, a Bass Pro or whatever that is, they're just going to sell you a bow. 
Yeah, that's blown you know, up right. half the time. There's there's Sonya anything. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's, it's funny because you hear the stories from the pro shops. Is yeah, after they get it, they come here, and then we got to dial them in. Yeah, you know it is right, and they'll they'll get you dialed. Yeah, so. It's and where where is their shop located? Out, there? out, of, out of Rockland. Out of Rockland. Yeah, that's okay. maybe five, ten minutes from my house. So it's, yeah. it's second home for me. Yeah. But. Yeah, and it, something that I love because I've been, I've been coming to this shop. You right. Know, I've been coming to West Coast for eight years now. Right. Eight or, or maybe seven years. Whenever it first opened and they were across the street and Hans is still working a second job and or his real job, not his archery shop job. And, right. And... Is exactly what you're saying, man. Going to a pro shop, dealing with people that know what they're talking about, and they're there to help. Right. You know, and, and I can't stress that enough for anybody who's getting into hunting. The importance of going somewhere where people are going to help. Right. You know what I mean? And, and be there for you. Right. You know, because, like, that's, that's so important, and it's exactly what you're saying. You know, you've been going to the same shop since you're five years old. You right. know everybody there. Right. You know, if something happens, you can go take it to them, and they know you, and they're willing to work with you, and they'll help you, and whatever needs to get accomplished, it happens. Right. You know, and having that established relationship, whether you're a target shooter or a hunter or, you know, a traditional archer or whatever it may be, they know you. Right. They'll remember you. And, and they'll continue to work with you whatever capacity that you need to be worked with. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, is they're shooting those bows. Yeah. On <laughs> Daily, they're shooting those right. bows. And, I mean, when a new model comes out, they'll tell you, hey, the back wall's stiff on this. Hey, you know, the back wall's a little loose on this yeah. one here. You're not going to get as much speed out of this bow as you will out of this bow. Yeah. And don't, I mean, they'll well, see, And it's, it's totally different too for each individual. It's like, I love a solid back wall. Right. I want to pull right into that and just be like, boom. Right. There it is, you know. And my dad, he's more of like, he likes kind of a little flex in his back wall. Right. You know, and it, and it's so funny because it's exactly what you're saying, man. And everybody's different and the shop will know that. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and that helps because that helps us form our habits. Right. As archers, instead of being like, Oh, you know, the new Hoyt got released or the new Matthews right. got released. 100%. I'm just going to buy it because it's that bow without knowing, right. you know, where's this back wall at and, and what's going on here. Right. And know? the cool part, too, is so they'll watch you shoot it. I mean, and yeah. if it's they could see when something looks uncomfortable. Yeah. And they'll they'll let you know, is ah, you may want to try shooting this this yeah. bow instead. Yeah, for sure. And you put that bow in your head, like, wow. All the difference <laughs> in the world, you know? So, it, to me, that's they're worth their weight in gold. Yeah. But... For sure. So, for the most part, do you hunt alone, or you know, how are you doing out in the field? What's going on there? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I just I don't know a ton of people who hunt as often as I do. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sick for it. I I hunt all the time. Right. If I have free time, I'm in the woods. I'm hunting. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I mean, I, I can't stress it enough. That's my therapy. Yeah. I mean, some of the hardest times in my life, if I go out in the woods and vanish and, and I'm, I'm hearing the birds going i'm hearing the squirrels yeah. running it's just to it's me, like you can think again an unwinding of the right? soul and a clearing of the mind slow everything down breathing, breathing in the fresh air yeah and it's just you've got to be so in tune with to what's going on if you want to be successful anyhow that you you almost forget about everything else yeah because you got to pay attention to right. every single step that you take right am if, i stepping on a branch right am i stepping on a pine cone right. I mean, you know, is this rock going to slide out from under my foot? Prime example is my mountain lion situation. Yeah, totally. You got to be in tune to what's going on. Yeah. I mean, because 
things out there, especially when you're alone, mm-hmm. they can go wrong really quick. Yeah. So you, you've just got to be prepared. Yeah. But, you know, I, so I do most of my hunting alone, um, and I hunt with my pops, uh, you know, occasionally, mm-hmm. not as much as I'd like to. Yeah. But um, usually when we go, we'll come up with our game plan and camp, and then we'll go our separate ways and come back and tell stories of the day. Yeah, right. So, I How mean, funny even, is that? <laughs> even when I do go with people, it's, it's still you when you're actually out there hunting you're i'm by myself but yeah i've taken a couple of guys i you know have an interest in getting into hunting and i i love teaching teaching guys how about much it. fun is that getting to it's, go out with the new guy oh man yeah and it, it's weird because i feel like i almost hunt better when i'm with somebody else and see more game than i do by myself i say that but it, it may not be true it's just because i'm yeah. in tune to it i'm wanting them to see an animal so bad yeah. that I don't know if I'm doing something different, but I, <laughs> I just love to see when, when they see a wild animal, their first close experience. like that, and yeah. you see the look on their face, yeah. and their reaction to that. I mean, yeah. can't beat that. Yeah, and you tell them I gotta grow up like this. Right. I mean, how lucky well, was I? And it's funny because like, we forget, you know, what it's what it's like because we're all we're just embedded in it, right? right? Having grown up doing it and all that kind of stuff. And it, this makes me remember a time back, 2012, um, I, I did a hunter certification course down in the desert. Maybe it was 2013, down in Barstow Desert, you know. And I'm down there, and I meet this this fellow, and he's from India. And he'd never hunted. He wanted to get into it. He'd never seen anything but a desert right. his entire life. Yeah. And he's in his mid-40s. So he comes up, and it's, you know, a, a wet winter everything's lush beautiful and neon green and you know how it gets it like right. when it's like that you right. know what i mean and i had this guy we're, we're out there hiking around and uh we get into this kind of flat spot and there's rooting everywhere you know it just it looks like a zoo for pigs and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he starts crying and he's like dude i've never seen anything this beautiful in my life oh yeah i've never experienced yeah. this and i'm like I take it for granted. Right. You know, and and then it's like, it takes that sort of a situation for someone to stop me. And not that I don't appreciate right. it when I'm in it or I'm, right. you know what I mean? My my thought process is so different. I mean, yeah, I'm looking at the beauty and the tranquility right. and the whole picture, but maybe I don't relish it as much as I should. Or, it, well, you put yourself into, I mean, it, it's yeah to the compassion of being a human being. You know, yeah. you put yourself in somebody else's shoes who's never seen that yeah and it, it just brings you back to the first times you did see yeah dude it's like, remarkable wow dude. you know there's it makes you feel little when right. you're out there seriously In, insignificant it's just like so you mentioned abalone diving yeah. I, I loved abalone diving right? I mean my <laughs> wet suit is collecting dust now with, yeah, the, well, with the closure but, but I mean you're sitting there at the ocean yeah. planning your you know your dive and Watching those waves hit the shore, you f- you feel small. Yeah, I mean you you've you got to read it, it man. You're, nothing you're doing is stopping that. <laughs> so it doesn't matter where you go, you better read that yeah. right. Right. So, to me, that that's just part of the appeal. I, yeah. It it you just realize there's a whole lot more to just you. Yeah. Out there. Right. You can take it all in. Right. So, you kind of took a break from hunting for a little bit in your life. Right, and, and you're you're pretty big into sports. Oh yeah. So what sports were you playing? Oh man, um, all growing up. So if I wasn't hunting, fishing, whatever it may be, I was playing soccer. I 
you know, did Taekwondo, Judo, Kabuto, yeah. Kempo, yeah. Uh, wrestling growing All up. athlete. I, we, we did everything. We were, yeah. we were go. I mean, I had to be, I'm ADD as they come. Yeah. I was bouncing off the wall as a kid. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure it was, it was good for my parents to just let me go at times. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, it was competitive soccer growing up. Uh, got into football. My, my pops played for University of Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up playing at uh, six different colleges myself. Uh-huh. And people hear that. How the hell did you go to six different colleges? Yeah. And it was, I mean, I was competitive. I was walk on at Fresno State, played receiver there. Yeah. Um, you know, I was young and dumb and thought I should be starting right away. And, yeah. You know, they want me to wait a year and red shirt, and I say, you know what, I, I want to play football. And went up to Humboldt State, played receiver there, and mm-hmm. just bounced around. I got in a car accident at one point and bounced around from there, and, and I was just chasing the dream. Yeah. And uh, I, I thought I had what it took to, to make it to the NFL and was chasing that dream as far as it could. And, you know, my, my younger brother, he played for uh, Sierra College, which I went to play with him there before I – tore my pec and uh, then he went and played for University of Hawaii mm-hmm. and he played for the Texans and the Buccaneers and uh, you know very competitive family yeah so I was chasing that dream all over all around athlete though yeah I was shit I was I mean I was in a weight room since I was 12 too <laughs> uh, my pops runs a capital athletic club in downtown Sacramento uh-huh he's the executive director there so we were I mean we were in the weight room from a very young age yeah and um I was, I was chasing it, chasing it, and I, my last few years of ball, I played at Henderson State University in Arkansas, mm-hmm. and I tore my hamstring. It was a total of seven times. I had a couple injections on it, just trying to fight through it. Wow. And um, finally, I just said, you know what? My body's had enough of this yeah. shit. I'm done. Yeah. And I, I remember telling the coaches, and they're like, well, we want you to stay on in some regard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I said, there's a whole other appeal for me here. And, you yeah. know, in my backyard, I've got the woods. Yeah. And that's really where I fell back in love with the woods because, I mean, everything else was focused on on football for so long. Yeah. That it gave me a chance to get back out in the woods. Yeah. And I, I did a, a business plan competition out there, and my um, idea was a sportsman's club. And who, who the hell is this kid from California <laughs> coming out here trying to start a sportsman's club in Arkansas? And, well, what does this even mean? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. How's he beating us to the punchline <laughs> yeah. here? And they're like, man, this this kid's coming to class in his camo. And <laughs> I mean, I was right after class. I was out in the woods and yeah. I was ready to go. People underestimate California's love for oh, the yeah. outdoors, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was spearfishing out there. I just completely dove back into it. And, yeah. you know, I got drawn back to, to California and it, it didn't stop. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I kind of realized the way that we had been hunting deer yeah. was completely wrong and you know developing new strategies and this is just from trial and error yeah over the years and then you get to some things that work and it's addicting man yeah it really is right so just getting out in the in the woods again was was everything for me mm-hmm. it's felt like a different person again yeah i mean you, you really get a chance of just being in arkansas in general yeah. there's the people out there were amazing. Yeah. I mean, I met so many awesome people out there. Yeah. And it was just a slower way of life that I yeah. was used to in California. It kind of retrained my, my thought process mm-hmm. and made you uh, kind of realize what matters in life. And yeah. Was, Isn't that funny how that works? It is. You know? It is. And, you know, I definitely didn't take it for granted. And 
I knew I was going to keep doing it when I came yeah. back to California. Right. So, like for me, I took a break from hunting. You know, let's call it from like 16 till it's about, you know, 20, 21, whatever. Right. And maybe it was 20, 22, and and uh, in that break, it was like. I was doing everything else, right? You know, and I, I had ended up moving down to LA and, you know, did film stuff and did music industry stuff and was all across the board and, and all kinds of crazy stuff. And at the end of that, I kind of, you know, I ended up, I was on, on tour through the Southern United States out the 10 and uh, ended up going back up to Montana during hunting season to my uncle's ranch that he he no longer has but um went up there and i sat down with my uncle and and he'd done a couple things in in la and the industry down there and we were talking about it and he's like you know i fell in love with the outdoors and that's what moved me to montana right he's like i fell back in love with the outdoors yeah and and you know his whole career was spent in the sea underwater so you you know he was kind of just we were going back and forth about like comparing what I was going through to what he had gone through. And then also on that trip, my brother was on a, on a mule deer hunt and I got to be a part of that. And I just fell back in love with it, man. And it was like, dude, I went, I went back to LA. I was back in LA a week and a half after that. And I was just like, I'm done. Yeah. Packed all my shit up in 24 hours, moved back to Northern California. Boom. And then it was like, I was spending 30 to 40 days in the field, you know, and I was on workman's comp because my knee was blown up and all different kinds of problems like that. But, um, spent all my time in the field, you know, any, any time that I could get outdoors. Right. That's what I was doing. Absolutely. And it was like, you recenter. Yeah. You really do. Find yourself again. It's like. It, I, I mean, I almost want to say it's like reconnecting with our childhood and our youth. Absolutely. Right? And there's like this weird blur in the middle of like, right. woo, let's go. Right. And then it's like, all right, time to refocus yeah. on what life is really about. That's, that's a testosterone kicking in as you're going out, <laughs> you go out and have some fun. And then, I mean, you just, you get back to it, man. There's right. there's nothing like it. And you, you realize, too, at that point is, you know, when kids do come, you, you want them raised the same way. Yeah. And, and for me, as Man, I, I just can't wait until yeah. my daughter's old enough to work. How old's your daughter? She's uh, just about 15 months now. How about that? And it, it's funny, man. We, we can be in our backyard, and I've taught her uh, spot birds, and uh-huh. she right away. Yeah. She, she catches movement. Alert which and looking. A hunter knows. Oh, cool. Hey, you catch that movement, <laughs> and your eyes train on it. Yeah. She's got that at 15 months. Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy to see. That's so But it, it's there. I mean, it's. It's just stuff that yeah. you know you, you get all giddy about because it makes you feel like a kid again. And yeah, you just can't wait. Right. But. So after covering all that and getting ready to get into the 2018 season and and kind of the stuff that happened, why don't you tell us a little bit about what kind of gear are you running? You know, are you still hunting? Yeah. So most of my gear, and I'll tell anybody. Is getting into hunting is comfort when you're miles away from a truck <laughs> i mean that's all the difference in the world you're out there on an extremely cold day yeah and you're shivering that's miserable for sure and i grew up 
without the right gear. Right. So. All, I mean, most of us did. Right. You know? It was like Cabela's was right. was the top of the line gear up until shortly. Absolutely. And you know, I I run sick and I love their subalpine pattern, but I, yeah, I run all their stuff uh, head to toe. Yeah. And when you're in the right gear, man, it, it allows you to be comfortable out there. You, you can just settle in. You don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. If, you know, unexpected rainstorm comes, you're good. For sure. And instead of just being miserable. Right. So, you know, to your socks. So. Yeah. Well, and you bring up such a good point about comfort in the backcountry and also the older gear that we've all used. Right. Prior to having comfortable, you know, innovative gear that we're, that, that we're able to get these days. And it's, it's so funny to me because it's like all the stuff that I used growing up up until, you know, 2016 is kind of when I shifted and, and switched over and started using all Kuyu stuff. Right. Uh, the, uh, the gear prior to that is like I never knew that there was uncomfortability in it. Right. Until I switched to actual good gear. And right. And it's like, oh, wow, wait a minute. Like, right. Absolutely. And it sounds like that's your exact experience with Sitka. I mean, it it almost, you go back to growing up, you know, I'm I'm 34 now, but the the difference is as extreme as it would be, hey, you have a pager and all of a sudden there's cell phones. Yeah. You know, I remember calling Collect and, Mom, pick me up. Yeah. It's just, it's the small things when you're out there that make all the difference in the world. And I'd say when when you're getting going, Get gear that's going to allow you to be comfortable in the situation you're going to be in, yeah. you're expecting to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, be prepared for some of the unexpected and have good glass. Yeah, I, I run a Vortex Razor HD yeah. 12 by 50s, and I run their spotting scope too. And mm-hmm. man, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, because I mean, 90% of it when you're out there is locating the animal. Yeah, so to me, good glass is extremely important. Yeah. And that's top to bottom, your range finder, everything. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be, it's got to be good, and you'll you'll see a difference out there for sure. Especially if you're if you're doing any spot and stock, where that's the name of the game. You're yeah. up on the hillside for five, six, seven. Who who knows how long you could be out there all sun up to sun down, and see something just before dark. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if you don't have good glass, that could definitely hinder you out there. Yeah. And um, for what I'm doing, I've, I've got a couple different sets of binoculars for different situations. Mm-hmm. I run 10 by 42s for, uh, you know, the, the close quarter stuff where I'm doing a lot of still hunting. Yeah. And I, I couldn't buy no 500 yards, <laughs> you know. Let so, alone 60. Absolutely. <laughs> so for, for me, you know, it's, it's all depending on what type of hunting I'm doing, but Still hunting has a soft spot in my heart, and spot and stock has mm-hmm. a soft spot in my heart. Mm-hmm. I'm not much for one to, to sit in a blind and wait for something to come to me. Yeah. it's I'm not wired that way, but, man. <laughs> but bless your dad for being oh able my to gosh. do it, man. I, did I, and I used to rag on uh, tree stand hunters and, you know, whatever right. kind of stand hunters. I used to rag on them a little bit because, like, I'd just be like, you guys aren't hunting. That's not hunting. Western hunting is hunting. Right. Sitting in a tree stand all day is not hunting. And then, like, over the years of evolution of my thought process, I don't think I could tree stand hunt because I need to be moving. Right. Right? And, like, to have the mental capability to look... 100% 100% at the same spot yeah. for, you know, 8 or 12 or right. 6 hours. And I mean it, it takes it takes a certain kind of wiring to be able to do that, but there's also when when you're back there in those eastern states, there's a 
damn good reason why they're doing it. Yeah. I mean, you go still hunting through whitetail country, good yeah. luck. Yeah. You know, it's... It ain't going to happen. Right. Yeah. So it's it's all just situational. It, yeah. it goes back to the other thing, too. Hey, it's snowing out. Mm-hmm. You got on the wrong gear, yeah. sitting in a tree stand, not moving, not having a ton of fun. Right. <laughs> I can guarantee that. It's cold there. So... But yeah, I, I think uh, still hunting spot and stock is yeah, is definitely how I'm wired. I love doing it, and th- there's just nothing like it. Yeah, I mean you, you spot a mile f- or a, you know an animal from a mile away mm-hmm. and plan the right stock, and it comes together. Yeah, hell of a feeling for sure. Love it. So generally speaking, I mean you're probably I'd imagine out of sack, you're mostly primarily hunting D zones or yeah, I you know I've never actually drawn a tag for any of the. Uh, Special zones? Yeah, for any of the special zones, any of those draw hunts, never drawn it. So I'm D3 through 5 and an yeah. AO tag every yeah. year, and I hunt some A zone too. Uh-huh. Um, I'm almost limited, actually, over by H&E Ranch. Love doing deer and pickup. Yeah, I've been out to the H&E before. That's gorgeous property out yeah. there. Um, but for, for deer, D3 through 5 has been my, my go-to. And yeah. Had a lot of success doing it. Yeah. For sure, well, there's, and that's, I think, one of the biggest misconceptions in California is that there's bucks in those hills. It's, it's you crazy. You just got to beat the shit out of yourself you do. to get it done. You do. Yeah. And, I mean, and you have to be stubborn. Yeah. You, you've got to know in your head, hey, sooner or later you're going to make the right mistake to see an animal. Yeah. And then you'll replicate it. Yeah. Or, you know, you just put in your homework. You well, it's like, put up trail cameras. Yeah. You know, get out there and oh, do yeah. your scouting. And you'll see animals for sure. in California. Well, one of the biggest things that I learned when I started putting up trail cameras, God, I don't, I don't, maybe it was all the way back to like 2007, 2008, and I'm turning up 13 to 20 bucks, right? you know, 25 different bucks, and they're all different bucks. Yeah. And then I'm like, wow, there's actually really deer out there. Right. Like, it's not what I think. Absolutely. You know? And like one of the difficulties about hunting California is like, and I don't know if you have experience with this, but like being out there and not being able to find a track anywhere, right. but there's sign everywhere. Right. You just got to start being able to look for the right sign. Absolutely. Because it gets so dry, dude. And it does. Tracks just disappear and then right. it's windy and then it blows, you know. Or so dry that the, an animal's not going to leave a track. Yeah. You know, it, it's yeah. just, it's all situational experiences. And then that's something you don't get unless you're out there doing it. Yeah. And, you know, I, from hunters I talk to, anyhow, a lot of the times when they're out there, they get fresh. They go out for one weekend and get frustrated and never go back to that that property yeah. again. Yeah. And for me, I I mean more so than trying to trying to ever find a trophy animal is, I love figuring out land. Mm-hmm. I love learning land, and you know it, it's a chess game. Mm-hmm. You're out there, okay. So why are they doing this? Mm-hmm. Why are they moving from here to here? And once you dial that in, yeah, it, it just puts a whole different perspective right. on hunting for you. For sure. For sure. So let's talk about your 2018 season. Oh, man. What what <laughs> ended up happening? So th- this season started like no other season in the past. And, I, you know, I've been – I've got my deer spots, you know. Yeah. And I've been hunting them since I, I moved back from Arkansas. And yeah. At least, you know, five, six years out there. Yeah. And I typically will tag out every year on public land. Yeah. And I'm hunting a spot where I've had a lot of success this year, or not this year, but in the past. And turned up animal. 
Yeah, and it was just, it was tough. I wasn't seeing any bugs. I wasn't seeing any does. And I mean, this is a good solid two weeks into the season. And then it slowly started getting a little hotter. And I was noticing, though, I mean, damn near every hunt, I was seeing coyotes. Uh-huh. I mean, left and right close, too. And more coyotes than I'd ever seen in the area. So I was thinking, you know, they were the reason why the deer were skittish, spooky, and just not in the area at not the time. Not present, yeah. And I... But that goes back to being stubborn. Yeah. You know, I, I knew sooner or later I was going to figure out how the deer were working that property this year, yeah. which is hard to do sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you'll you'll get set in your ways, go back to what's worked for you in the past, and, you know, sometimes that's not the right way to go. Yeah. You've got to read the land for what it is right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I was just switching up my hunting and getting it back dialed into where I was starting to see some animals and, you know, still seeing coyotes. On a number of hunts, and I'm the type of hunter who, hey, during deer season, you're not going to get me to shoot a coyote yeah. and, and ruin a deer hunt. Yeah. Is I'm not shooting anything but a deer, and I'm hunting hunting the hell out of them. Yeah. So, um, as soon as uh, as soon as I started seeing those deer again, I got all amped up, and I was I was out at this spot at least five days a week, <clears throat> and I end up trying to trying a new spot that's worked for me in the past. And I'm going through, it's all riparian jungle habitat mm-hmm. out there. I mean, it's thicker than hell. And I'm, I'm working my way to an area that's got the wind in my favor. Uh, it's evening hunt. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going through it. It's like, I don't know if you've ever seen those at work. At some of the kids' uh, party places, they'll have the laser things where you've got to dodge the laser. It's almost like you're doing a bank heist. Yeah. But it feels like you're going through something like that as you're trying to get through this. And I know where I was going was actually, they call it a lake, but it, it looked like two dried up ponds. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it certainly wasn't a lake. And, you know, I just get past that thick stuff and all of a sudden it opens up. And I know from scouting it in the past that typically up until uh, the archery season opens up, all of the weeds that blanket those dried up ponds or typically, I mean, maybe six to ten inches high. Mm-hmm. They're they're very short, and as soon as deer season comes on, I mean, they they'll tower over your head. They, oh, wow. they grow like crazy all of a sudden. Yeah. And if you don't know that area, you're you're not working your way through there. Yeah. So sometimes it's not huntable until you get into the general season again. But I've got a couple pockets in there that I've set trail cameras up and caught some big bucks going through. So I thought I'd get back in there, but this time it was different. I got into that the first part of. Uh, the north part of the the upper pond there and all those weeds were maybe two feet tall really so i i had a you know a lot of a lot of viewpoints for around that pond and it was going to turn into a good hunt. i had a good feeling the whole time mm-hmm. you know wind's blowing into my face i'm still hunting so i'm going extremely extremely slow yeah and i'm trying to work the outside of these ponds on the thick portions of it and i'm just moving a couple yards glassing moving a couple yards glassing letting everything settle down you're hearing the birds chirp again you're hearing the squirrels run around and you're letting the wildlife reset oh man yeah i mean it, it just comes to life yeah and it, it's funny because instinctively you, you'll get a hot feeling yeah. when, when you think you're going to see something oh yeah and man i had that from from the get-go as soon as i busted open in, into that that first pond so i'm hunting the outside of this Going, I mean, I'm maybe making it 200 yards in an hour, maybe. And I'm going extremely slow. 
and I went in through a port, an area where I, I don't normally go in through. So I'm working my way around the, the west side of this pond, and it kind of comes to a pinch point in between these two ponds where it's thicker than crap all the way to that pinch point. You can open up and go straight through there into the start of the second field, and that's where I was thinking I was going to see some deer. And as soon as I come to that pinch point, everything's still alive, wind's blowing in my face, and it's, I mean, it, we're talking like a sandy bottom mm -hmm. to where you can move stealthily through there. Yeah. I mean, you, you're feeling like a predator at that point. You're, yeah. You're getting excited. And as soon as I make it through that pinch point, all of a sudden, I hear crashing to my left. I mean, it just exploded. And it, I knew just from the sound, I mean, you get used to it. I knew from the sound it was deer. And I see the backs of a couple of deer, and they're just bolting out of there. And I couldn't tell if the, you know, the first couple were bucks or does. And all of a sudden, I catch one of the does, and she hangs up maybe 40 yards from me. And she's looking back, and I, I put my glass up, and I've got her in my binos. And she's looking over my left shoulder, but not directly at me. Yeah. And that didn't sit right with me. Yeah. But because of all the coyotes I'd been seeing all year long, I, I mean, that's where my, my head went. I was a coyote just busted them. Yeah. And just, you know, completely blew the hunt. Yeah. And it just still didn't sit right. She was hung up there. She wasn't moving. I wasn't moving. I mean, I was perfectly still. And get my glass back to my chest. I mean, at that point, you're moving so, so incredibly slow. slow. Yeah. It's just almost painstakingly slow. Yeah. But Frustrating. You, right. And yeah. you, you know if you move quick, though, they're... She's gone. gone. Yeah. And I, I was hoping that maybe there was a buck with her that, that held up. And so I was I was posted and, you know, just got this overwhelming feeling that something wasn't right. Mm -hmm. Hair stands up on the back of my neck. Oh, God. And, I mean, almost you get goosebumps. I, if you could see, I have goosebumps right now just talking, talking about, about it. it. It just puts me right back there. Something didn't feel right. I've got everything, you know, ready to go, thinking that there was a buck in there. And then all of a sudden behind me, I hear one twig snap. And just a sharp snap. Ugh. I mean, just... And when you walk through there and you make mistakes, you know what sounds like what. Yeah. I knew it wasn't a squirrel. I knew it wasn't a bird. Yeah. It wasn't anything little. It wasn't anything just rustling in the bushes. Yeah. That was a big animal. And it was directly behind me. Oh, God. And just instinctively, I move incredibly slow turning around, whereas I feel like, you know, a lot of people in that situation just would sharp turn around. And I'm, I'm just slowly moving back to try to get my head on what's behind me. Yeah. And then, I mean, like nothing I've ever seen before. Yeah. That line was right there. Really? 16 yards behind me. No way. Its head looked stalking you massive i mean man if you can see the goosebumps right now yeah. <laughs> it was i mean i'm i'm feeling it right. just talking to you about it and watching your physical reactions right. while you're telling the story i mean it's it makes me uncomfortable to this yeah. day yeah it makes and me uncomfortable hearing it it and I, i'm turning around i'm like man this is the first line i've ever seen i mean yeah. I've, I've been we've been talking about it. i've been hunting forever and never seen a mountain lion in the woods and in this spot in particular i've never seen a track Never seen a fresh kill. Never had anything on my trail cameras, which I've had trail cameras out there for six years. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing ever. And it was the last place I thought I would ever see my first lion. Yeah. Especially under that circumstance. And so once I realize 
I mean, it, it clicks to me. It, this thing's hunting me. Because mm -hmm. along those edges, it was so thick that, hey, if this thing was behind me, mm -hmm. he was hunting me. Yeah. So that's what went through my head is this thing's hunting me right now. I'm food. 16 yards behind 16 you. 16 yards. And that was the first sign I'd heard of it. Yeah. So that, who knows how long, how long that thing would have been there. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and then where'd he pick me up? Yeah. Well, not only that, we can't hunt with sidearms out here. Right. So that, Unless and, you're predator hunting only. And I was under an AO tag as well. I mean, so I've got a knife on my right hip. You know, I've, I've got an arrow knocked at this point. You know, a knife's going to defend you well against yeah. the lion. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. Especially a lion of that size. I mean, yeah. that thing, it was incredible to see. I mean... What a beautiful animal. That thing looked impressive. Under those circumstances, it was terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. terrifying. And it's, it's funny because in, in the back of my head, and I distinctively remember this, is just how unreal it felt to have all the thoughts running through the back of my head, but to be reacting a certain way as it was all unfolding. Yeah, and your heart's probably well oh, going a million miles an right. hour while you're trying to stay calm. Right. And, and be collected. And you just go back to instinct at that point. I felt like my body just took over. My, my experience took over. I mean, I remember in the back of my head, it's like, shit, those deer just got away. They yeah. bolted out of there. They're good. Yeah. You know, this thing's not hunting them. He's hunting me. Yeah. And I, I don't know what they picked up on that I didn't hear prior to, but their hearing and sense of smell is a whole lot better than mine. <laughs> so, so. What did it feel like when you turned around and you saw that lion there and you made direct eye contact with it? Because there had to be a point where you and that lion were both staring at each other in the eyes. Right, right. So as soon as I got turned around, slowly, I knew to square up right away. Yeah. I My first thought was, or first reaction was, square up, get big. You need to scare this thing away. Yeah. In the back of my head, I was like, fuck, I don't have a sidearm. Yeah. What am I going to do? Yeah. This thing could come at me at any second. And it's, I mean, it's going to come so quick, you don't even know what's happening. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. anybody who thinks they would have time to do much in that scenario, you're, you're out of your mind. Yeah. When you're actually in it, I mean, try to try to place yourself in that scenario Ooh. where you turn around not expecting it. Yeah. And there's a, a big cat. Right there. Right there hunting you. I mean, it'd be one thing if you're going through the woods and you just happen to come across one that was in front of you, and th that'd be a completely different feeling. This was so far from that; it was it's it's very hard to describe and explain. But you know, my first reaction was to get big. I already had an arrow knocked, so I put my my bows in my left hand. I've got my pack on. I'm not a small guy, mm -hmm. you know. And I'm sitting there thinking one of the other thoughts in the back of my head: What the hell is this thing thinking? Mm -hmm. I mean. I'm 220 pounds. I got a pack on. I got, I'm big right now. What yeah. is it thinking? Yeah, and you're what, six feet? Uh, uh, yeah, six, six, one, 220, 230 pounds. Yeah. And then throw, you know, a 40-pound pack on me. And and a bow in your hand. Right. And yeah. I, I'm looking pretty big to any predator that would be trying to come my way. Yeah. So this thing was clearly set. And I'm I'm sitting there, okay, you got to scare it away. Whatever it takes. And I'm screaming. And this is exact words. Get the fuck out of here! Yeah. Get the fuck out of here! Yelling at it. Screaming, top yeah. of my lungs. I mean, I, I was, oh, I'll God. fucking kill you! I'll fucking kill you! Yeah. And one of the other thoughts in the back of my head is, man, is there, if anybody else out here, they're, they're thinking I'm going to kill somebody. <laughs> I'm like, man, it, this is just gnarly situation. I'm just 
hoping and praying that this thing's gonna take off and just realize how big I am and go. Yeah. Never happened. Yeah. Never happened. And and so is it just down? Oh, I mean, like in a pounce sort oh, yeah. of position, just staring at you this oh, yeah. whole time. So I mean, picture a house cat. Mm-hmm. I mean. I think a lot of people could kind of picture that. The house got hunting in your backyard. Yeah. Right before they were about ready to make their last run. Oh, my God. He was, he's hind, hind quarters were under him. Front, front quarters were light on the ground. You could tell his head was scratched down. Ready to leap. He didn't flinch once. Yeah. No matter what I did. Screaming, nothing. Oh, God. Nothing. And at that point, I knew is, hey, at this point, this I, I, I got to get I got to get the full draw. Yeah. You got to get the full draw now. Yeah. And it'll kill you in oh, a heartbeat. Oh man. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going back to full draw and I'm last ditch effort. I'm full draw. Get the fuck out of here. And I take a mock lunge at it. Nothing. And I do it one more time. I'm going to kill you. And mock lunge. And on that second one, he dropped his head, maybe half an inch. And yeah. I saw the tail flicker. Yeah. And, Instinctively, I let that arrow fly. Yeah, and it that was whack! it, man. That was it. That was it. And that thing I mean, dropped. You could have in in that time period, you could have had five seconds of right. your own life left. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, imagine being eaten alive by a cat. No. No, thank you. I don't want to imagine nope. that. Nope. And I mean, I can't tell you my goosebumps right now just telling the story. Yeah. But when I heard that arrow hit. And I saw the lion just crumble. I mean, it literally did not take one step. It just whack, boom, down. I saw the tail flick one time off the ground, just a nurse firing off. Yeah. That was it. Oh, my God. And prior to that point, I can honestly say that when I was back in full draw on my back wall, I mean, it was all reaction, but I wasn't shaking at all. Yeah. Not at all. I was completely in the moment. Instincts took over. And then when I heard it, saw that tail flick one time, I started shaking uncontrollably. Yeah. I mean, just lost my it. whole body. I could barely hold my phone in my hand. Yeah. And um, I just, I knew one of the wardens who had been out in that area. I'd seen him multiple times and yeah. gotten to know the guy over a couple of years. And, you know, I, I called him and I said, hey, man, trying to explain the story. I'm just fumbling over my words. <laughs> And he's trying to calm me down. I said, hey, you know, it's it's right there. I, I literally haven't even walked up to it. It's This is what just happened. Because in, in my mind was I've seen so many trail cam photos in California of these lions hunting groups. Yeah. Or, you know, they're by a water trough in California somewhere, and there's three or four of them. Yeah. So, Isn't that scary? It's crazy. There's that think. many lions right? that are in groups. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that's not normal behavior for them. No, not at all. And, you know, I just... I, I just was so in the red at that point mm-hmm. that my head was on a swivel. Every little sound sounded like a huge sound to me. And your heart's pounding out of your Heart's chest. pounding. I could barely stay still. And I head's on a swivel. I'm just looking to see if there's another line in the area. Yeah. Thank God you had cell service. Oh, man. Holy shit. It was, it was intense. So I, I ended up, uh, you know, the warden assured me. He said, man, you, because I, I just laid it out for him as I'm fumbling over the words. And he said, you, you did everything right. Drop us a pen. We'll be right out there. Yeah. And this all happened probably, I don't know, it was maybe 7.15 at the time. I'd have to go through my phone when I made that call. Um, in the evening? Or yeah, in the, in, in the evening. It was okay. an evening hunt. And, uh, you know, it, it definitely wasn't. I still had maybe hour and 45 minutes left of hunting time. Good summer light in California. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, 
I just, I was not comfortable at that point. I'm still shaking and I'm thinking to myself, nothing about this scenario has changed. Yeah. I have a deadline right here in yeah. front of me and I still haven't gone up to it at this point to even verify it was dead, but I knew just by the reaction and everything, I knew he was dead. Yeah. But I still was so uncomfortable, I didn't even want to walk up to the animal. And uh, the warden was like, verify it's dead. And I mean, I knew that was the right thing to do, but I, I, I don't know why I didn't, but I, I didn't even touch the animal. I yeah. mean, none of that even processed in my head. But now looking back on the situation, that was probably, you know, another blessing in disguise. I didn't because it was exactly how it unfolded. I That lion was untouched. The, you know, puddle of blood was right under his head. Yeah. So when the wardens did make it out, how long did it take from phone call to them getting on scene? So, I dropped the pin for him, and guy gets out there, and I'm trying to describe where I'm at, and uh, it's getting darker, getting darker. I have a knife, my bow still, mm-hmm. in the same exact location where it where it all unfolded, and he he can't find his way to me because mm-hmm. it's so thick. I mean, it's yeah. so thick to yeah. where. If you don't know where that spot's at, you're not getting to it. Yeah. Unless somebody's taking you back in there. And sure enough, he never made his way to me. So I'm hiking out of this area, pitch black. Mm-hmm. After that all unfolded. Yeah. And tell me how uncomfortable I feel yeah. doing that. <laughs> like, come on, man. And, you know, I, I make my way. I ended up finding his truck, and he wasn't at the truck. He was working his way up a, a trail trying to, trying to get in towards me, but he was a couple miles away. And I... Uh, Send him a text and say, hey, I'm back at the truck, man. And he makes his way back. And first thing he said to me, dude, I was so on edge the whole time. He's got a sidearm. Yeah. He said, I was so on edge just from how you described it. And Yeah. I said, yeah, how do you think I felt? Yeah. I don't have a sidearm. Yeah. And that just happened to me and I've got my bow. Well, something I like that you pointed out, too, is that immediately what you did is you called DFW. You let them know what happened. You let them know the situation. Immediately, you know I mean? immediately, and then you only approached the animal when they said confirm that it's dead. Correct. Right, and then to take it a step further, you then never moved the animal. You didn't touch it. You Nothing. didn't drag it. You didn't do anything. Nothing. You just left it laying. Le- left the scene exactly. I mean, I didn't even touch my arrow. Yeah. And when I walked up and I saw my shot placement, I mean, I was I was aiming for that thing's head because he was yeah. squared up. I I knew he's gonna kill you. Uh, I knew if I didn't put it there, yeah, he still could have came he, at me. He'd have killed you in a heartbeat. I mean, if I, it was injured, right, would have just killed you even worse. Hundred percent slower I mean, was, because it didn't have all of its ability. Right, and I'm I'm sitting there, just incredibly thankful that the shot where it went and it was right in the left eyeball. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, so it must have just severed the brain the brainstem immediately. Yeah, and it, that's why it probably you drilled crumbled. in the eye. Drilled it right in the eye. In the face. Sixteen yards, wow. and um, you know I just. Practice, 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 man. That's what it, it counted. It even so that's why when that that guide from the bear hunt told me I had ice in my veins, well, I was starting to believe it a little bit after this. Yeah. And I mean I just I was so uncomfortable after that situation, making it out in dark. I mean I ended up dropping my binos trying to make it out to him. So I I just lost uh, you know, twelve hundred dollar pair of binoculars. Yeah. Working my way out. And it was so dark at that point that... Wait, you lost your binos on the way out? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Did they just fall out? Do you have a chest rig? Yeah, so I've, I've got my, you know, my bino harness, and they just popped out the top because I was, I was so shocked. I mean, I had yeah. to be so And you so probably didn't shocked. even realize. Didn't. Yeah. I mean, 
it, I forgot to close it and they just fell out as I was working my way back out. And, um, you know, the warden at that point, you saying, there's no point going in there right now. It's pitch dark. I don't feel comfortable. I know you don't feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Let's meet back out here tomorrow, tomorrow morning. morning. So we ended up meeting at 9 a.m. the next morning. And did he bring other wardens with him that time? Or? Um, when I met him at the, uh, at the trailhead, there was nobody else. Yeah. But by the time we got to that lion, and we, I mean, we gloved up. Yeah. He, he was telling me that they'd do a full necropsy and just verify it was, you know, the way it was. And a they, what cropsy? A necropsy. Okay. And so they, they compl- I mean, CSI that line. Yeah. They, they looked to see if anything was, was wrong with it or any, any disease. Was it, you know, malnourished? Was, you know, was it healthy? How old was it? What Top information can they figure out about it that maybe have put it in the position where it's going to hunt a human? Nothing. Yeah. That that was 100% healthy line. How old was that line? Do you know? They they estimated five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, we never got a true weight on it, or at least I, I never heard a true weight. Um, but we, we threw around 120 to 140 mm-hmm. while we were out there just eyes on. Yeah. And, I mean, I was just in shock of how big that line yeah, was. Yeah, because that's, to me, that sounds... From what I've heard, most lions that are chasing people around are from one to three years old. Right. So that's a five-year-old lion. Five-year-old lion. That should be past that phase of development. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. He made up his mind. He was hunting me. Yeah. I mean, I was I was on the menu for him. Yeah. I mean, just, so at some point, that lion felt okay to hunt me. Yeah. And I, I still, it doesn't make sense to me with everything you hear about... Well, you know, if they're starving, that there was so much game out there. Yeah, that line wasn't starving. Obviously, it was a good-sized line. Right, it's not having a problem killing anything. Right, I mean, healthy, completely healthy, and uh, you know, we got it loaded up on the on the sled and got it back out to his truck. And at that point, there were two other wardens there. Mm-hmm. And uh, later on, at the trailhead, another warden met up with us too. So there was four different trucks out there, yeah. four different wardens, and uh, I'll never forget. One of the guys came up to me who apparently was one of their uh, mountain lion experts. Came up to me, kind of gave me the once over, looked me up and down before he shook my hand. He said, "Man, you're a big guy. I think you would have won a knife fight." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Come on, man." Yeah. They're like, no thanks. Yeah. And he said, "You know, you, you probably would have been scalped." And he was just explaining to me that they're so used to hunting deer, and a deer skull is so much softer than humans that you'll see on most mountain lion attacks is one of the main injuries is they'll try to bite a human on top of the head and our skull is so much harder that their teeth will just slide down the back of your neck and scalp you. and you'll be scalped instead of breaking through the cranium right wow absolutely and you know i say i don't ever want to find out if i would have wanted that <laughs> i don't ever want to have that situation happen again in my life yeah and uh, i don't want that to happen to anybody else yeah which is you know why i got to the point where i wanted to share the story yeah and you know it so th- they ended up doing the whole the whole process, their due diligence to making sure it happened the way it happened. And yeah, I mean, honestly, nobody's ever going to, you shoot an animal in the eye squared up to you. Yeah. You know, that's not a far shot. You know what I mean? It's just, it couldn't have happened any other way. So it was, it was pretty easy for them. And I ended up seeing a warden out there a couple of weeks later. And he was, he saying it was pretty cool once they were able to get past the uh, enforcement side of it mm-hmm. and get to the you know the biology side of it and yeah. actually try to figure out why I was on the menu. Yeah. And it, the disturbing thing was, hey, that was a healthy lion. Yeah. So 
Well, and I'm sure disturbing to them, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, one of the wardens said to me, you just saved 60 deer. Yeah. And, you know, it just... It... it I still feel like when, when I talked about the story, shit, man, that really happened to me. Yeah. Because when I tell it's people... It's not real yet. And it, it's just... I mean, as a as a hunter, you hear about some stuff like that. You hear about close encounters, but until you're in it, until you live it, until it's happening, man, you you can't ever put yourself in that situation. Yeah, it's an unreal feeling. Yeah, and you know, it's something I actually so I, after I did that big write up on um, on Facebook about it, trying to create some awareness because mm-hmm. I, I knew the possible. Uh, impact of that story especially not being able to have a sidearm yeah uh, during archery because i mean if i had a sidearm i could have potentially not had to kill that lion yeah. i could have shot off to the side of it i could have shot in front of it and it could have been gone yeah but i also could have ensured that i saved my life regardless yeah. or at least had a better chance to of saving your life absolutely yeah and i mean i I go back to, okay, so what if there was a hunter out there who, who didn't have the experience I, I had? What if it was a brand new hunter? never Brand new. Yeah. Doesn't but, have a lifetime of experience right. in the field. Or even if you, or even if there was a seasoned hunter out there, yeah. would, would they have been able to put two and two together that that doe wasn't looking at them? Yeah. That something else scared that deer? Yeah. Or, well, and like you said, would it take you nine years to put your first animal down? Exactly. So that's nine years. And if you're on year four and you're or five or six or seven and you're an experienced hunter... Right. Are you going to look at that doe and know that that doe is looking behind you? Right. Do you think, are you going to make up, are we, I guess, as hunters, are we going to make up a different story in our head as to why it's not looking directly right. at us? Right. I mean, especially, so given the scenario that I was seeing so many coyotes prior to that, mm-hmm. I could have just wrote it off. Oh, coyote's not going to attack me. Yeah. You know, no it's a big deal. Yeah. And move on with your hunt. If I would have done that, I may not be here talking to you today. Yeah. So it's just... I felt incredibly lucky to have noticed the things I noticed. Yeah. You know, and, and going to save my life and be able to put that shot placement down and I mean those some of those pictures are just intense when you when you see them and I I put one of the one of the claws out and you know pulled it out there and put my hand up to it and dude. Big. It did you don't ever want to get in a knife fight with a lion. Yeah, I, I can promise you that. <laughs> so you'd be done, especially a big one. Yeah, you yeah. you'd be done, or you definitely wouldn't be the same anyhow. Yeah, and I, I think a lion that big too, once it's made up its mind, that's going to be to the death. Yeah, what you or him for sure. So, I mean, unreal feeling. So, what would you say was your overall experience in? How the wardens handled you and, and and how that whole situation, your interaction with the wardens. I mean, and I know we kind of talked about it earlier too, you right. know, but like, because I've had my fair share of bad experiences. I feel like more recently um, with wardens in the field, I've had better experiences right? Um, with how they're treating me as a hunter instead of, you know, immediately walking up and treating me as somebody who's committing a crime. Right. Um well, yeah, so what was that like? In in this particular scenario, it was it was a little unique. Be, excuse me, because I had prior experience with this warden just being out in that area and getting to know him. But well, the first that's, that's kind of important too. I think. I, oh, you know, I agree. To, if you you know, for me, if I see wardens that are stopped, 
Right. I'll pull over and I'll talk to them. Absolutely. You know, and, and just kind of say, hey, how's it going? And this is who I am. Right. And, you know, this is how often I hunt here. And, right. You know, Absolutely. And, and it can be beneficial to them, too. Yeah. I mean, it's, hey, what, what have you been seeing? What's been going on? All that comes into yeah. play. And, um, you know, when, when I first met this warden in particular, it was actually, I was, uh, I was trying to get my pops on a deer and he ended up shooting this deer. There was maybe 10 minutes left of legal shooting time. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably a thousand yards away from mm -hmm. where I set my pops up uh, before this unfolded. And I'm watching through my binos and I see him smack this buck. I mean, perfect shot, kicks like a mule. And I text him immediately after, I was like, you want to believe it? I saw that unfold because he didn't know I was watching. Yeah. I was like, saw it unfolded, you smacked him. And uh, later on that night, we went and recovered it. And I said later on, I mean, maybe 30 minutes later, but it was, by the time we recovered it, it was after legal shooting time. Yeah. And we got on it and dragged it out to the trail. And the warden comes driving down the trail and he's, he's questioning us and rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, he's, what time did you guys shoot this? And he's, hey, you know, we could we can open that deer up and tell exactly what time you shot it. And going through that, my, my pops is a little hard of hearing, so he wasn't hearing the warden 100%. So I'm kind of having to talk through this because he left his truck running. Yeah. And um, my pops got hearing aids. And I'm walking through it, and then all of a sudden it hits me. Like, oh, shit, I, I text you right afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I pulled it up, and I said, wait, wait, wait a second. And I showed the warden. He's like, oh, we're all good here. Yeah. Let me help you pack it out. Yeah. I mean, completely. Yeah. But I said, no, I'm glad you did. Yeah. I'm glad you approached it that way because I would have done the same thing if I was a warden. Yeah. You were doing the right thing You're in that situation. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I had some prior experience with him and afterwards. So when I made that call to him right after the mountain lion situation unfolded, his father had actually been a similar situation. Mm -hmm. He said, my, my dad's been in the same situation. He did everything right. Yeah. There's, there's nothing else you could have done. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you were him and you did the right thing. Yeah. So... And, and that's, man, I don't think they could have handled it any better. Yeah. They, they did their job of, you know, having me walk them through the situation where I entered those those dried up ponds where the pinch point was. Um, I think it played into my favor that I didn't touch the animal yeah. at all because it left it exactly how it was. I showed them exactly where I was standing when I made the shot. Yeah. And, I mean, they were all in disbelief of the shot placement. Yeah. They were like, man, you are incredibly lucky. Yeah. That's a killer shot. <laughs> I mean, literally, killer yeah. shot. These. If you would have hit him right in between the eyes, and that's you know just skipped off the over. top of his, off his head, dude, that's game on at that point. Yeah. So game over, shit. I mean, exactly. <laughs> but I I don't think they could handle it any better, and I think because of the shot placement, yeah, I, I honestly think that's why multiple wardens came out because it was just kind of an unbelievable thing, and then yeah, you, you see it, and you're like. Holy I, shit. I talked to a couple wardens and told them that you and I were going to be talking, and then they started telling me about all the different aspects. And it wasn't even you who had told me you shot it in the eye. You, you know, I just had known from you that you'd killed it. Right. The wardens who I spoke to about it are the ones who were like, yeah, dude, you shot it in the eye. Oh, my God, you got to see it. Blah, oh, blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, it's it's been, it's been passed around. It's kind of legendary. Right. I mean, that's... And I, I guess I didn't really realize how much it was passed around prior yeah. prior to me, you know, posting my write-up of it because, you know, afterwards, and they were just doing this to look out for me. It was, they yeah. said, you know, be careful who you, who you share that with. Well, and the, the hardest thing, and 
what you're bringing up is so valid. You know what I mean? It's like the wrong person could get whatever sliver of information they want about it. Right. And then go after your life. Absolutely. Your entire life. Absolutely. With no understanding of the outdoors, with absolutely no comprehension of what's going on out in the field. They've never been off the trail, maybe let alone even, excuse me, through a trailhead. Right. You know, let's throw them in the thick. You know what I mean? Let's see what's really going on, you know? Absolutely. The misconception of of what it's really like out there. And and I'm sure there's still even people that would be like, oh my God, a lion's head in the state of California. Well, like, lions haven't been hunted in the state of California. I mean, fish and game kills tons of lions every single year. Absolutely. Never gets talked about. Right. all legitimate, all reasonable, all right. ethical, all ethical takes. But it's like there's so many lions in the state of California because of no wildlife management. Right. You know, since 1990, I was I was confused for a long time. I kept saying 1992, and I couldn't tell you why I had that number in my head. It was actually 1990, and it, and it's like, how many lions are out there? What right. are we doing? Like, where's, where's the future of this going for predator right. hunting? And you look at the amount of lions that are out there and then put that on top of the amount of bears that are out there. And it's like, dude. There's a lot of predators in this state. It's getting more and more dangerous for hunters to go out into the field. Absolutely. And especially without having a sidearm. Absolutely. Well, well, then, I mean, it even goes beyond hunters. I mean, you, you could just be hiking out there and that situation happened to you and yeah. you don't have anything on you. Plumas National Forest, you know? I mean, prime example. All the different national forests. It, is that news story that just came out, I believe it was in Colorado, is, you know, that, that uh, trail runner who had to kill that lion with his bare hands. How about that? I mean. Not my fight. Grant, granted, it was a, he said it was a smaller lion. I don't care what size lion it is. Yeah. That's, that's intense, man. That's crazy. Because I know how I felt. And I couldn't tell you how it would have turned out if that thing would have came at me. Yeah. So I would I mean, have liked to have thought I, I would have made it out regardless of what wounds, but I'm not sure that would have happened. Yeah. I used to wrestle with my house cat when I had a house cat a few years back, man. And the house cat had jacked me up, and that oh, yeah. thing weighed nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, so t- to me it was when, when they said that, you know, be careful who you share it with, and they gave me some examples of times, you know, they – They've allowed people to, you know, take a line on a depredation permit because they were killing livestock, et cetera, which I believe they do all now. Mm-hmm. But um, they gave me a scenario. Hey, one guy uh, took a lion that we we allowed and posted it. Who, who needs a tag? And I'm like, yeah, well, if some idiot is going to go out there and post that, I would say the same thing to yeah. somebody. I said, yeah. But I knew almost immediately after that situation unfolded, is I had a strong argument mm-hmm. to put out there in a strong story mm-hmm. to maybe change the law on allowing hunters to carry a sidearm. Yeah. And I didn't want to kill that damn lion. Yeah. I, I you wanted did everything enough. you could in your power at 16 yards to get that lion to run away, and I, it didn't. I almost think I did too much. I mean, looking yeah. back on that, I should have pulled the trigger before I did. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and I'm, I've still got goosebumps just saying that. Yeah. That was potentially a mistake. Well, not only that, I'm sure when you say it, you can you instantly for a split second instantly see the lion through your peep through right. the sight with your pin oh, on the yeah. lion. Like that's fucked right. up, dude. Yeah, no, that it is. in itself is mental terrorism on yourself 
for the rest of your right. life. Rest of, there, there's, I'm never getting that out of my head. No. Guaranteed. I wouldn't. And, I'm just time. picturing it in my right? head, like making it up because I've right? never actually seen that sight picture, and that's insane. Yeah. Man. And it, I mean, not many people ever will. I'm not saying that's something that would happen frequently. Yeah. But if that does, I knew I had a story that could potentially change that law. Yeah. And it took it took a long time for me to, uh, I guess, build up the courage to post it. I wanted to right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about the repercussions. What month did this happen in? This happened in the beginning of September. Okay, so it happened in the beginning of September, and okay. it wasn't until what month that that got posted and put out online? I believe I put that out beginning of or mid-January. 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 So, I, you know, I, I had that written up, I mean, for months prior yeah. to posting it. And, yeah. you know, I I had multiple, multiple people read it. Um, you know, I just wanted to get, you know, everyone's everyone's viewpoint on it because... Hey, I'm a human being. Yeah. You know, I, I have compassion towards the world, period, yeah. and towards other people and other people's viewpoints. Well, and, and you, but you also talked about that and, and having, you know, attempted and, and and failed in finding an animal that had gotten away from you right. after a pouring rainstorm, or, right? You know, a poor blood trail or something like that. Like we feel that as hunters, right? That's an emotional experience for a- us. Absolutely, there's a reason why that makes your stomach turn. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a reason why it makes you it's feel terrible. It is. It is, absolutely. And you're not out there to just kill something. Yeah, we're out there. There's so much more to right. it than just killing. So, so much more to it. Yeah. And so it, it was extremely important to me that I take the time to write it up the right way, mm-hmm. put all the details out, and tell it exactly how it happened. Because yeah. I knew that potentially a hiker could be out there. And, hey, if I share this part and what clued me into it, yeah. or if I shared what, what I did as it unfolded, you know, getting big, it's still not moving. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe somebody's prepared for that next time. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe somebody pulls a second or the trigger a second sooner. Yeah. You know, and I knew I potentially could possibly save another hunters, another hikers. Hey, I, I somebody just sent me a text today of a mountain lion on their ring camera in a neighborhood in Natomas. Oh my God. In Natomas. Yeah. I mean, this is a neighborhood, and it's right there, and the, right in front of their front door. Yeah, that was crazy to me. Yeah, and you know, so I, I fought with myself for a while. I was, hey, you know, regardless of what, what flack or feedback I get on this, I have to post it. Yeah, it's the right thing. I potentially could yeah. save somebody. Um, I could potentially put a strong argument out there to allow a bow hunter to carry a sidearm, and you know to. To the other side of it is, you know, the the groups that do want to protect mountain lions will. Having a sidearm would have potentially saved that animal. Yeah. So you can look at it from that that viewpoint as well. But for me as a hunter, more importantly, is I would have guaranteed saved my life. Yeah. Or just about guarantee it. Yeah. It would have felt a whole hell of a lot more comfortable. Right. Anyhow. Um, but, you know, and I, I tried setting it out to, uh, you know, a couple platforms that I thought was going to get that story recognized and mm-hmm. shared with the hunting community or just the overall community. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I sent it out to... A couple different, yeah, a couple different places, a couple different companies. Uh, uh, you know, no one wanted to me- touch it. Nobody wanted to touch it because it's a mountain lion killed in California. And I mean, how I'm, fucked up is that? Yeah, and I'm I'm we really don't curious. Want to touch your story because it, right. it happened in California, right? I mean, and, and oh, one, that pisses me off, man. One of the responses, or one of the responses I had was, I think this could hurt the hunting community more than it could help it. I was like, are you nuts? Yeah. This could potentially save somebody's life. What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. And so it, morally for me, and that's just the way I'm wired, I had to post it regardless. Yeah. 
and and that's what I did. And you know, I I didn't I didn't get any negative feedback actually, aside from uh, and this is funny, is a a hunter, um, it was out of Colorado or something, and he said, uh, "Man, what a drama queen!" He sent it to me on uh, Facebook Messenger. What a drama queen! Stay in the city, pretty boy. That happened to me, and I I just killed the line and kept going. Well, I was like, come on, man. I mean, I, I get that, and I respect, sure, right? So in, in an, for an out-of-stater, maybe that experience is a little bit different. Right. In a state where maybe you can get mountain lion tags, or right. you know, maybe it's a little bit more attainable to be predator hunting to that capacity, or carrying a sidearm to protect yourself. Right. You know, or a million of different things where, in California, our laws are structured against us. Right. You know, no offense to the system, but the system is structured against us as hunters. Absolutely. There's not much on the side of advocacy. There is advocacy for hunters, but there's not much right, right now. I feel like it's it's beginning. We're at a plateau right now where it's beginning to get better. Right. And I have no idea where it's going to go. But it, how long has it taken us to get to this point? Right. You know, and how many years have we been out in the field and mountain lions happen, man? Right. And there's nothing we, we could have ever done about it. You know, there's, there's, you know, eight years ago, I would have never felt comfortable. Wardens these days, I sh- let me rephrase this. The wardens that I know these days, I feel way more comfortable talking right. to than the wardens that I would talk to 10 years ago. Right. You right. Know? And I, I would agree with that. Because the guys I feel like that are coming in these days are a little bit more outdoor savvy. Right. They know a little bit more. They've been in the field. Maybe they come from hunting background. Right. As to where more so 10 years or more ago, it was more book smart guys. Right. That were all about, you know, biology and science backgrounds. Not really any practical outdoors experience or anything like that. Sure, there was guys that did have it. You know, but it's like, dude, we're in a state where, you know, someone in fishing game, you know, gets derailed from their career because they kill a mountain lion in a different state where it's completely legal on a hunt for predators. Right. You know, so like. And that was an example they gave me when they were saying, be careful who you share this with. Yeah. This is what happened to our commissioner. Yeah. And that stuck with me, man. It, It was that's exactly why I toyed with, you know, the idea of, hey, I, maybe I shouldn't post this. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's not worth it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I just couldn't do that. So, I mean, for example, if I wouldn't share this, then how does the topic, you know, get started? Yeah. Who, who lights a fire under this? Yeah. Unless you have a specific scenario to light the fire. And a, and a reasonable scenario. Right. It's Absolutely. not like that, that mountain lion was 150 yards away right. from you and you shot it with a rifle right. and... You know, there's a million different things that could have happened inside of 150 yards. Right. That mountain lion was stalking you to kill you, and it was 16 yards behind you, and you didn't even know until it stepped on a twig. That that situation started at 16 yards and stopped at 16 yards, Mm -hmm. and could have been a whole lot worse. Could have been, and you have a kid and a business and all different kinds of things. Absolutely. You know, and I I remember when I made it home that night, I just... Your wife had to be... Oh, my God. I, I, I hugged my wife. I went and woke up my baby girl. I mean, we're talking, it's late at this point. I, yeah. I didn't care. I mean, I just... 10 months y- old at the time, y- probably. You're, you're thankful, yeah. you know, in, the, in that scenario. So Count your blessings at that oh point. Oh, my gosh, Shit, man. It was, it was just unreal. And it's it's funny when I tell that story. I must have told it a thousand times now. Yeah. Um, but it's... When you're talking about it, it doesn't feel real. Yeah. And then, and then at the end of the day, 
shit that actually happened to you. Yeah. And you know something that I didn't talk about when I when I wrote that story um, for Facebook is everything that's happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. And every animal I've come to full draw on afterwards has been a different experience for me after that situation. Mm-hmm. I've had to let down, redraw, let down, try to calm myself. It's almost a, you're going into post traumatic. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's and that's something I've never dealt with as an archer yeah especially with how long i've been shooting yeah and it's you know i've, I've harvested plenty a, of a, a deer sounds, yeah absolutely but I, I took one out there after this happened uh-huh. i didn't stop hunting this didn't yeah didn't deter you yeah, i mean it's like when you hear somebody you, getting, but it didn't keep you off the there, no way no way <laughs> stubborn right right <laughs> absolutely there you go right back to it and um you know i on the the last year I took this season was 53 yard bow shot mm-hmm. and I had to let down on that deer twice before yeah. I ended up pulling the trigger and it's just had to calm myself down, walk my, walk myself through the scenario. I pick a hair, yeah. you know, get your breathing under control. Yeah. All the stuff you learn when you first get going. Yeah. So I'm just having to retrain myself and try to push past it. But I actually, uh, I mean, this is how much it didn't stop me from going out. I went out the next day. Yeah. I went and found my binoculars. Oh, you found them? I found them. Get out of town. Yeah, they were in the shit too, man. Woo! I don't know how I found them. That's so cool. I, I was retracing my steps, and that was that was a huge relief. I, I actually texted the Should picture I of the damn near, I'd damn near call Vortex and say, hey, can you guys send me a new pair? Right? This is what <laughs> I was thinking about it, man. Yeah. I was like, all right, how do, how do I pull this one off? But I was, you know, sent that picture to the warden. He's like, that's awesome, man. I can't that's believe you found crazy. them. That's crazy. But it was all... Uh, what with the warden is all a good experience. Yeah, and, you know, I actually had guys from California uh, text me, or not text me, but send me a message on Facebook about yeah. a similar situation. Apparently, they didn't have the same experience. Yeah, and you know, I, all I can speak to is my experience and what I did. And you know, if if anybody is in a situation like that, I I think one of the biggest things that played in my favor was not touching that animal afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do that knowing that that would play into my favor. Yeah. It just, man, I wanted nothing to do with the scenario, even yeah. when it was unfolding. Yeah. So, I, you know, it, it worked out. But. So you did end up harvesting an animal this year. Yeah, I actually ended up taking what two. What kind of buck did you take? You took two. two. Took two deer so out of that area. So you filled your AO tag and your D3 through 5 tag. Yeah, I ended up taking my first one with a D3 through 5 gun. It was roughly a 100-yard shot out there. Yeah. A little forky. And then... Um, Usually my first year of the year, I, I like to put meat in the freezer. Yeah. I, I love venison. Yeah. And it's hard for me if I go I shoot small bucks all the time, man. Oh. You don't have to justify that shit to oh, me. Oh, man. That's... Anyone that wants to knock somebody for it, yeah. fuck them, dude. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I'm in the same boat, man. A legal, a legal buck is a legal yeah. buck, and in California, it's even... I mean... Right. Especially on public land. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the second one was a, a nice big forky, and it was with a bow at 50, 53 yards. But what was cool about that second buck, it was the same same area i mean yeah. that i harvested that second actually both bucks probably within a mile or two oh wow of where this unfolded yeah and um i hadn't been <laughs> relentless. seeing relentless well, relentless yeah and i hadn't been seeing i've been seeing a ton of does hadn't seen a buck in two weeks mm-hmm. in general season and um i wasn't feeling great that day and one of my buddies gave me a call and wanted to see if I wanted to go golfing. And this guy had never been hunting a day in his life, but I've taken him out to the bow range and yeah. got him dialed in before. And I said, 
hey man, don't don't bring your bow. Why don't we just go hunt instead? We can yeah. get a night hunt in. It'll be your first one ever. Yeah. And um, sure enough, he ended up being down for it. And yeah. I said, we're not going to see a buck because I hadn't been seeing bucks. Yeah. So, but we'll we'll give it hell. Yeah. We get some time in the field. Dude, saw five bucks and oh my he, god, he saw me put that one down at fifty three yards. No way. Trailed it and man, he's been hooked ever since. With you every time. Yeah. I was like, oh Holy man. Shit. Good luck charm here. Right. But uh, so for him, it was. It was a cool experience right. and cut some of his beard hairs out in time being right? bow, man. <laughs> it was it was cool. That's but, awesome. So yeah. we've talked a whole bunch about game. Right. We've talked about everything, right? We talked about the mountain lion story and all that. Let's talk a little bit about food because it sounds like you've been cooking wild game your whole oh, yeah. life. Oh, so yeah. what's your favorite dish to prepare? Real simple. Give me, give me a slice of backstrap, coat it in olive oil, uh-huh. throw some uh, coarse salt on there and fresh ground pepper. Yeah. Go to the grill, high heat, two minutes. Get your cross Sear cross it. grill marks, flip it over, two minutes. Man, yeah. can't beat that for me. Yeah. That that and jerky. Dude, venison so jerky. So now when you're talking about it, are you just doing, you'll do like a venison round? Oh, yeah. Right? Like yeah. Or, a, or a backstrap, just a round cut, yeah. quarter inch thick. Yeah. Your steakhouse. Olive oil, olive oil, salt and pepper, flip, flip. Done. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it's so good. Yeah. My wife loves that. Yeah. And she's like, man, this is better than any prime cut you're going to get at the store. Right. So, and. Right. It, it really is. It's a bummer when you go through your last piece of backstrap like that. Yeah. And then you just can't wait for season again. <laughs> right. Seriously. But, and then uh, for jerky, there's a places called i love teriyaki and they sell a big mason jar of their sauce uh-huh and i like to marinate my and i'll take all kinds of cuts from the deer and cut it real thin i'll take the you know the meat out of the freezer let it thaw out for about 30 minutes to where it's still kind of frozen put it through my slicer get it as thin as possible yeah let it marinate overnight and man that's hard to beat when you're out in the woods again having some of that in a ziploc bag while you're uh-huh while you're on the tripod glassing do you glass off a tripod? Like, I do. With like binos? Or yeah. Just eat, so I, I do both. Yeah. But I mean, just taking the vibration out of that scenario is huge. It just, the sway of your arms? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Getting comfortable when you're, when you're glassing is hugely important. Uh-huh. Especially when that's all you're doing is spotting stock because you may be up there all day long before you see an animal. Uh-huh. So, this is the fun part of the podcast. We're nearing the end. This is the Deadeye Minute, right? All right. And uh, try to just lighten it up at the end. Have a good time. I know you told me you listened to Austin's podcast, so I'm not going to hit you with the addiction. Oh, man. (laughs) I was preparing myself just in case. I got like six people on that Oh, I bet. Yeah. I'm going to use that now. Yeah. It's a great... (laughs) Dude, it's not phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... We work with Dead Eye Outfitters. They're an apparel company. So many people think that they're like an outfitter and they do guided hunts and or they have hunting gear and it's actually just like hoodies and t-shirts and everyday apparel, socks, you yeah. know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, for you, I have so many in my head and I'm trying to think of the right one. <laughs> trying to prepare myself. Right? 
if you had the choice of either being stuck on an island for the rest of your life by yourself trying, you know, and like, boom, you're dropped on the island butt naked. You have to survive there until you're dead. All right. Or you're locked in a rubber room and Umbop is playing <laughs> every day, all day long, and you're stuck in a straight jacket. Ooh. I mean, I guess that's a pretty easy answer. I was, I was going to say, I, I kind of dream about the, the first scenario the sometimes. <laughs> That'd be ideal right there. Right. I mean, hey. You need a volleyball? Or? You know, man, that'd be... Wilson! <laughs> don't give me a spear gun because I'm having fun at that right? point. You're going to have to make one. I'm okay with that, too. You're going to have to make one. I, I remember, actually, um, in uh, seventh grade, my English teacher at the time, we, we had to write a story the entire semester yeah and it was that same scenario but in africa oh really and you're in a, a, a pink bunny suit and it's you just write about surviving out in africa I had, in a pink bunny in suit. a pink bunny suit and i had a good That's time with that. everybody wants to be surviving right yeah in a pink bunny suit for sure <laughs> so that's awesome what grade was that in seventh grade that's awesome yeah i'll never forget that <laughs> Right on, man. So, did you have any concluding thoughts before we wrap up the end of the podcast? Or? No, I mean, I, I, I think most importantly to me is, is, is that that story shared and yeah. it potentially helps somebody in a similar scenario. I mean, that's to me that that makes it all worth it. And what would your number one recommendation be for anybody that might ever encounter that type of a situation? Listen to your instincts. Don't write it off as nothing. Yeah. Don't, I mean, any sound. Tune, tune into your surroundings when you're out there by yourself. Um, try to protect yourself as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, go through the steps, get big, scream. Yeah. Whatever you got to do. But if, if it doesn't go your way, go out kicking, go out fighting. Yeah. yeah. And don't give up. Period. Yeah. Right. So how can people look you up? How can people find you? Um, on Instagram, Leonard. Mm-hmm. And um, I've got that that mountain lion story posted on Facebook. I've actually got a link in my Instagram yeah. to that story. And then also Rob Locke from California Hunting, he posted it up on his page. I remember seeing it there. Nice, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's it's a good read. It's a little long, but I you know <laughs> I, I wanted to share all the details and and try to put people right there. Yeah, it's it makes it very real for sure. So. Right on, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, and I look forward to hearing more about successes you have in the future and whatever's going on. And, you know, we'll talk soon. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website, Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. 
Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at the flip flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.